banks are supposed to be the safest placeholders for cash in the world. But in 2022, that changed. The Federal Reserve pulled out $2.5 trillion of liquidity out of the banks. And the Fed also changed the requirements so banks don't need to keep any funds on hand. This means banks are starved for liquidity and have now become very dangerous places to hold your assets. Get out of the system with the world's safest and most private assets, silver and gold. Call Kirk Elliott, Ph.D. at 720-605-3900. Be sure to tell him Pete Santilli sent you. I am not frightened of these people. I, I've spent my life serving others, and, and I love my country. This thing is not going to just slip away. They're not going to take us without a fight. I'm going to fight legally and peacefully and within the parameters of the Constitution that I've sworn to serve. But they're going down. These, these men in their high perch, in their, their position of power and authority, and are walking upon our entire history, our deepest core principles. They're not going to get away with it. They have so far. We'll see. Powerful people in this country, they want to make sure no one hears your, your voice. They want everyone to look at you like a far-right, crazy conspiracy theorist. Is that who you are? No, man. I'm a regular American man. I'm an investigator, police officer by background. I'm going to continue to speak the truth, whether anybody likes it or not. You've always been controversial. I mean, even when you were in law enforcement, you did those uh, Crime Stopper videos that went viral. People loved them. You got a lot of heat for them, too. The Gremlin Street Gang is responsible for hundreds of violent crimes, murders, armed robberies, witness intimidation, burglaries, drug trafficking, extortion, and brutal beatings. We've arrested 10 of these thugs and have warrants on seven more. You will be hunted, you will be tracked, and if you raise your weapon to a man like me, we'll return fire with superior fire. Darren Carter. You think men like these are afraid? Previously on The Pete Santilli Show. Muslim Brotherhood supporting Obama. That's yeah. brought that brought us together. And I had to transition away from the Sean Hannity rendition of mm -hmm. who Ron Paul was as an old crazy guy. Yeah. Remember that? You had to deprogram mm -hmm. me. I'll never forget the first time uh, we introduced to you uh, the video of Ron Paul's supporters throwing snowballs at uh, at Sean Hannity in New York.
and you were like, oh my God, <laughs> people don't like Sean Hannity? <laughs> What's going on here? I didn't know. I remember how brain, I was a brainwashed Fox News. I, I was a neocon. I wanted to bomb everyone. Yeah. Well, I still do, but I, but, but, <laughs> what? But now you want to do it legally. And that is a big yeah, yeah. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Remember that? So we've come a long way. Uh, tomorrow's the last day of the public commentary uh, phase, and uh, there is a two-week phase that follows that is uh, described as the rebuttal period. Uh, it's my understanding that traditionally the New York Stock Exchange would be given the opportunity, in this case, as the entity that is proposing this rule to create a new class of companies called uh, natural asset companies, um, they would be given the exclusive ability uh, with their partner, something called the Intrinsic Exchange Group, or EIEG, to do the rebutting. Uh, apparently, in this case, though, uh, the uh, Securities and Exchange Commission are going to allow other people to rebut as well. So I guess there will be kind of a free-for-all for another two weeks or so. But we're, we're down to the short strokes. And the question is, has the Securities and Exchange Commission heard enough from the American people? And oh, by the way, um, some others as well, including 23 state treasurers and other financial officers and 25 attorneys general I'm told there's another letter in the works with governors. I don't know what the number of those will be, but envelope or not the yeah, envelope holder, right? Mm -hmm. It's a bag just chock full of cash. Yeah, that's what they do. They bring cash and send you off. Yeah, it's a beautiful is, thing. That is a that is a tradition here in America too. It is. Um, yeah, uh, the bride and groom will have a have a. They used to do wishing, like they would have a wishing well or whatever little thing, and people would throw the money into that and and uh, things like that. So, um, but we in the mornings, uh, Craig is going to be doing a little spiff, and then you're going to be running. Uh, Nathan will be running the best of piece until they picked out a after Craig does his uh, open morning open, yeah, mm -hmm. and uh, then in the afternoon LFA will be uh, hosted, right? So that is good. We're going to Brianna Morello on Thursday, mm -hmm. Friday Mel K. Yeah, Mel K on Friday. Mel K on Friday. Yeah. Uh huh. Uh, Pete, where are you going to have your bachelor party at? We're doing a co-ed. Uh, we're going to a strip joint. Clive and Bundy <laughs> sure. will be in attendance. Uh, or if uh, if Clive and Bundy shows up, then we'll then we'll do that. Uh, it'll be a co-ed bachelor and bachelorette party uh, at a strip joint. Just kidding. Unannounced, busted his door down, and he shot and killed the law enforcement officers.
Tinchley has a good job. Freddie, look. And his family enjoys their standard of living. His salary keeps up with the cost of living, and he owns some of those work-saving appliances we all admire so much. Finchley always checks to make sure he gets his money's worth. But after paying his bills, his savings account, and life insurance premiums, there never seems to be enough money left to pay for that. But there's a time for dreaming and a time for working. So every workday morning, Finchley joins the stream of traffic that flows toward his job. As you can see, Finchley could not be called Victor. But he always gets to work. Right on time. Hey! Or $60 a month. Have a cigar. Thanks for the good work, Finchley. JB for the cigar and and the race. Sixty bucks a month. Hey, can I use it? Sure you can, Mr. Finchley. But how? Huh? Yes, what will you do with those extra dollars? There are lots of things you could do. Bury it in a tin can in the backyard, for instance. But idle money may in time depreciate. Or you could spend it on a couple of nights out a week with the wife. This seems like a lot of fun. But with this kind of life, you'd depreciate. So why not put your money to work? Put my money to work? That's right, Mr. Finchley. You can own a share of American business. There are over 1,200 companies listed on the New York Stock Exchange. Companies which employ more than 11 million people, produce half of all the goods made in America, and pay about half the nation's dividends. Many of these companies have been paying dividends for 25 years or longer. Tycoon! Neither are most of the people who own shares in American business. Three out of four of all share owners are in families which make less than $10,000 a year. The raise was only $60 a month. Well, the monthly investment plan specifically designed for anyone who wants to invest in common or preferred stocks on a pay-as-you-go basis. You can $40 up to $1,000 every month or every three months under MIP. So why not the member firm of the New York Stock Exchange and get some practical advice on how to own a share in AmeriBusiness? And before you invest, investigate. Yeah, invest. Just think with 60 bucks a month, I could... into this room at your own risk because it leads to the future not a future that will be but one that might be this is not a new world it is simply an extension of what began in the old one it has patterned itself after every dictator who has ever planted the ripping imprint of a boot on the pages of history since the beginning of time it has refinements 
technological advances and a more sophisticated approach to the destruction of human freedom. But like every one of the super states that preceded it, it has one iron rule. Logic is an enemy and truth is a menace. Any state, any entity, any ideology that fails to recognize the worth, the dignity, the rights of man, that state is obsolete. A case to be filed under M for Mankind in the Twilight Zone. Sorry, I got a mouse in my pocket. We, me and the mouse in my pocket, we did it. Uh, you know, we set out to deliver the best content, best analysis, best work. We literally, yeah, actually, Craig and I, good morning, Craig, by the way. Uh, good morning, Pete. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, welcome to uh, Market Ultra. So as we start to get towards February 1st, what's going to happen is it's going to come off our main Pete Santilli show channel. Uh, for the first two hours, going to go on front page of Rumble on LFA. Uh, but, you know, um, how do we say it? Uh, before we uh, go to the big stage, we got to make sure we get all the bugs worked out. And I think we'll have everything set here in the next couple of days. Craig um, works the, you know, he works the overnights too. And we overlap. I get up at 2.30 and what? Uh, we've got a little bit of that overlap looking at uh, all the news, the markets, all the stuff that's trending, the world's blowing up to smithereens, and, and Joe Biden is negotiating things. That's a major crisis in and of itself. I mean, I heard that. Joe Biden, Joe Biden is negotiating stuff. I'm like, Joe Biden is negotiating what time he takes a nap. That's about it. Uh, but uh, good morning and welcome, uh, Craig Winklewitz. Sir. Good morning, Pete. Good, Good morning. morning. We got a lot of stuff to cover today. A lot of things. We do. Not, not a, but a lot of stuff in the U.S. actually. Not as much in uh, the Asian front. A little bit, but uh, it, it's uh, busy headlines. Yeah, busy headlines. As a matter of fact, uh, let's uh, let's get uh, let's get to that uh, this morning. First thing every morning. As a matter of fact, when you tune in at seven a.m. Eastern time, you bet your bottom dollar uh, that you'll be able to get. 
Uh, your morning news headlines. Uh, Trump threatens Haley mega donors. That's an economic uh, tectonic uh, move right there by President Trump. We'll talk about that. And then uh, Elon Musk uh, threatening the Tesla board. There's some complexities there. I kind of like it just because of the signaling. Uh, he wants control. Um, he has to have control as far as I'm concerned. Um, and his threat is very interesting. We're going to get to that because did you know that, uh, Craig, he's identified. Here's where I'm all excited here. I, I, I'm kind of liking Elon Musk for he's a disruptor. You know, that's what we'll say. Not, not that I, yeah, I don't trust him. People say that. I, I listen to the mob. The mob's like, I don't trust him. You know, those are people that don't know how to turn their iPad on. This guy is at the leading edge of developing AI technology, no doubt about it. Open AI and chat GPT that everybody is familiar with, he started that. He started that company, he was involved in that. His AI development with the Tesla cars, he's at the leading edge of that. He's now threatened to have enough shares, equity in Tesla, told the board, if I don't get you know controlling interest, I'm gonna go off and start my own AI company. Because Tesla is an AI company. It just happens to have, you know, four wheels on the products that he's developing. He's brilliant. He gets it done. And I kind of like uh, the disruptive nature by which he approaches the board. Uh, I'm sure yeah. they're in a panic. They, they can't. The, the board has to relent. Tesla cannot be without Elon Musk, period. I believe so. We'll talk yeah, I don't about know it. who can run that. I don't know who else can run that. Who could? Right. Uh, here we have uh, U.S. firms now preferring India over China because of the supply chain risks. Uh, it's kind of it's kind of good, but there's some complexities there too that we need to uh, uh, we need to talk about. Yeah, there's um, a lot that feeds into that story. Oh my goodness, yes. Uh, and we got, of course, chaos in the Red Sea. Chaos in the Red Sea. We're going to talk about that. And a big news regarding Boeing. Uh, we got the FAA halting Boeing production of the 737. That's major. Yeah. A regulatory well, and, body coming in and doing that. Yeah, and Buddha Judge finally resurfaced. Imagine that. <laughs> We're, we haven't heard his name in a while, have we? <laughs> Mr. Butt O'Goop. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. He resurfaced on this one. I think he got pressure to finally resurface on this Boeing thing. It's in it. That's his department, right? I mean, where has this guy been? <laughs> where Where has he been? So, all right. Uh, let me reach over here. I didn't have time. I only had fifty seconds to spare here. Let me uh, Let me get to my my top news articles because, um, you know, Trump threatening. Um, Trump threatening Haley's mega donors. But by, by the way, this is financial news, believe it or not, because the way money moves around in political campaigns, um, uh, you know, Trump's making some making some big power moves. I mean, this is what we love about Trump. Um, and let yeah, me he, tell knows you. Where to, he knows where to punch, right? I mean, he knows it. You know, he doesn't. He knows when to body blow and when to go for the nose, you know? Yeah. Now, and, now here's, yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Now, uh, here, here is um, uh, the big news 
uh, regarding Nikki Haley. And here's this is where, you know, the deep state that doesn't care about money. They just care about their power uh, and and control, of course. Um, Reed Hoffman paused Haley's funding. He's her biggest donor. The guy is just a scumbag like Jeffrey Epstein pedophile. True story. Yep. He's a yep. Jeffrey Epstein pedophile. Uh, he's halted funding. Now, this is where campaigns, of course, get crushed because, and and, and Craig, tell, tell me if you agree. It doesn't matter uh, how happy these chimps are at the podium. She could be, oh, my goodness, we're going to go forward. Yay. When the money stops, the skyscraper that's built when you're building a campaign, you're paying the lease. You got to have donors that are paying for the infrastructure. They will only keep pumping money into it if it's a winning proposition. Once it's a losing proposition, what do they do? They say, vacate. We're done. We're not going to pay yeah, your leases yeah. anymore, right? Yep, they're totally looking for return on investment, right? And so that's her investment. And they know that they can control her, so there she is, right? You know, the, what are they calling her now? The big bird? Uh, the uh, what, what? Hummingbird, <laughs> all the names coming out on her, right? I mean, you know, yeah. she's clearly a puppet. It's clearly she's she's been put in this position because they can control her. They know she's, you know, they've seen her perform. Uh, she's behind the the war efforts, so she's she's they're going to ride her if they can, if they can ride her. And the big thing that concerns me there, Pete, is South Carolina, right? South Carolina is her home state as governor. We saw a lot of shenanigans happen there, you know, during Biden and Bernie. Right. That's where Biden supposedly turned it around. I think, you know, that there's a clear sign of some rigging going on there. So these two last, you know, primaries were great. But South Carolina has been the big one on my list. So we'll see where they are in a month. Yeah. So so this is so this is what's going on. So so Reed Hoffman um, pauses Haley funding after uh, uh, two. I mean, two major losses. And she keeps claiming victory. <laughs> In a losing slot by double digits. Hilarious. Okay. But she's got that, that uh, I don't know. You know, I was in corporate America. I got to make this comment. You ready? I mean, it, it, it's not sexist. It is true. It is true. Uh, the, anyways, the women that I've worked with in corporate America uh, were all about the manicures, pedicures, the peep toes, the, the you know, Six hundred to thousand dollar business suit, um, the corporatisms, the circle back stuff. You know, let's circle back. You know, they put their fingers together and do all this stuff. But they were a freaking emotional train wreck. You know, when it was behind closed doors. I mean, they were just a mess. But they had a front face that was, you know, it was a, a facade. I didn't like it. You know, because I knew these people behind closed doors were in a freaking panic. I mean, they'd come kick my door shut. Oh my God, how do you do it? How do you, I can't keep track of these employees. You know, I'm like, well, you sound a lot different than you did when you were on the stage yesterday. What? You sounded confident. I wanted to freaking buy into your team, you know, but it's fake. That's what Nikki Haley is. She's a fake fraud. You know, she studies something like, get to the podium and sound positive. Let's go forward. You know what? Seriously, you have a friend. When I see you doing that, I hear still a sound of a train derailing and it's crushing metal. Freaking, you know, and, and she says, but we're going to go forward. You are going to go forward, really, with a lot of crushed metal. It's a train wreck. Uh, but here, Reed Hoffman. 
pauses the funding on the campaign. Oh, what's going on? She's still being funded. Nikki Haley's 2024 campaign is backed by rich donors. Okay. Now, here's where I'm going to throw back to you and you can comment on this. The donors are propping up Haley. But when you got two election losses, that means the people are not backing Nikki Haley. So what does that tell you? Right? Yeah, that's exactly right. Well, and that's what happens if people are starting to see through it. And a lot of times, you know, like we see across Europe, right? We have Christine Lagarde's running the European Central Bank, which we're going to have announced today, right? They're going to have a refinancing rate. We have Georgieva, right? And then we have um, von der Land, right? Three, three women put in power over there because when things are going to go awry, right? It's a lot harder to get angry at a woman. That's the way I see it, right? You know, and so they put Nikki Haley in there because, again, they can. It's another shield, right? It's another layer of a shield. That's why they put Joe Biden in there too, right? Because why get old? You can't get angry at an old man, an old feeble man like that, right? He's just a cute old grandpa, you know? So that's what I think a lot of it is, is they utilize, you know, and and there's a, you know, there isn't, I mean, there's just a difference, men and women, right? And, you know, women are protected, right? It has nothing to do with intellect or anything like that. They're just a more protected group. And so they put her in there. So they use Joe Biden, they use Nikki Haley. They're protected, right? Older guy, old grandpa, and, you know, a woman. So they, they use that facade, I think. That's where the way I see it, because I've seen this go on in Europe. Europe's a great role model for how politics works. I mean, these, these people have perfected, you know, the... The, the, you know this whole operation so that's how i see it i just see it as another person they can control that looks a little bit different than the prior person that's the way i see it you know and and if you're going to um okay here, here's the bottom line this is why i love president trump's uh stance um because of the economics of it all all right. When you are a group of donors and you're pumping into a losing campaign, essentially because you're anti-Trump. So they're, they're doing everything they can. And economically, it takes money off the table. Why would you be pumping into pumping money into a losing Haley campaign? That's essentially an economy, uh, uh, a portion of the total economy. Uh, but a sub-economy that could be uh, put into Trump's war chest. But you know what he did? He drew the line. And he says, you got a choice to make here. You continue to support Haley, you are going to be blacklisted from Team Trump. Meaning we don't even want your money. We don't want you around uh, at all. So, but... But look at that's that's the hard line negotiation that he's making right now. You're either on the team or you're the you're off the team. You either bring your duffel bag to us where it's needed, your war chest, right? Where yeah. it's needed. Yeah. Or or if you want to continue on and stripping us of our ability uh, to beat these communists, you're you're out on a curb. You might as well go support Joe Biden, right? Yeah. Well, we're watching, you know, mainline front and center negotiations taking place, you know. If you really read between the lines, I mean, that's what's going on here is, you know, they're trying to do what they've always done, which is 
you know, push a candidate, right? They're trying to have her walk up there, take a victory lap when she lost, you know, and Trump's calling them out on it. And he's, this is a negotiation going on right in front of our eyes, you know? I mean, it's, and we don't have, you know, and then throw in Ronda McRomney, right? You know, she's supposed to be mediating this whole thing, right? And coming up with the best candidate. Where is she? she her, her and Pete Buttigieg must be hanging out together because where is she in this whole thing, right? She should be the one that's saying, okay, for the better of the party, we need to, you know, we need to get behind Trump. We have a united effort. Put the money toward that. Let's not be throwing waste and money again, right? And then back to Reed Hoffman. You know, how much is this going to privately be funded? We're seeing these people are desperate, right? They're desperate, and their 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 whole story is coming apart. And people are starting to see through it. And that's the beauty of it all. Yeah. Um, now, Reed Hoffman. Do, do you know anything about uh, this Reed Hoffman? <laughs> Uh, not that much. I mean, I, you know, I know the name, I see him on TV, but I haven't really researched him. I don't know that much about him. Okay. Uh, Reed Hoffman supposedly is, uh, just say he's kind of one of those slime bags, uh, that was connected to, uh, to Jeffrey Epstein. You, you cannot, uh, ignore that. That, that he's connected to that cabal of disgusting people. But billionaire Reed Hoffman, um, as just stated publicly, he's not going to give any more to, uh, to Nikki Haley's campaign. He's one of Haley's first wealthy donors uh, start heading for the exit after she said she would remain a, uh, in the GOP nomination. He's the LinkedIn co-founder uh, and in December said that while he is a supporter of President Joe Biden... He believed that Haley had the best chance of beating Trump in the Republican primary. So he's a supporter of Biden. You see how this is shaping up here? He's a supporter of Biden. And let's go ahead and strip um, uh, President Trump. He's a vote stripper, right? Pumping money into Haley to water down uh, President Trump's Because you get these people all wound up uh, and, and they're like the DeSantis people are like almost non-functioning they're like you know you might as well pull them, put them in lockdown with a bunch of alzheimer's patients because they're not they can't function what are they gonna are they gonna vote for trump all of a sudden because desantis says he endorses trump that was a symbolic move so yeah. you get people that start fighting for for haley they all of a sudden become you know they they, they, they uh, suffer from that trump derangement syndrome and what does it do they're a zero voter they're not gonna vote because they're butt hurt because their candidate didn't win, right? Well, and, you know, throw Reed Hoffman in that camp of data collectors, right? He's another one of these data collectors, right? You know, LinkedIn, you know, collecting data, you know? And so these people have a, a definitely a superiority complex at this point in time, right? These data collectors, they just think they can exert their will, you know? And that goes back to Elon Musk a little bit. Fortunately, he seems like he's joined the other side, and that's good, right? He could be if it wasn't for if it wasn't for him turning opening up X right now, we'd be having a real we'd be we wouldn't be making as much progress as we are at exposing this. That that's that's absolutely true. I think you're absolutely yeah. correct uh, in that. So so President Trump um, now saying he's warning uh, he will blacklist. Uh, Nikki uh, Haley's campaign donors in a post on Truth Social Media platform for uh, President Trump said that anyone who contributes to Haley's platforms from this moment forth, right? This is the hard line negotiation, uh, will be permanently banned from the MAGA camp. We don't want them and we will not accept them. 
When I ran for office and won, I noticed that the losing candidates' donors would immediately come to me and want to help out again. This is standard in politics, but no longer with me. Boof. Art uh, art of the freaking left right punch, yeah. right? Yeah, I love yeah. it. I love it too. I just hope he holds to it, right? Because the last cabinet, you know, he he came out, you know, and this is the way he campaigned before. He held a hard line, and then we saw the people creep into his cabinet. Now, was that part of the plan to let these people come in, expose them? Because they have been exposed. Every one of them has been exposed. I mean, Nikki Haley was supposedly a right-hand confidant, you know, underneath Trump. I mean, when she left the, you know, the cabinet, you know, it was on good terms. And, you know, there was rumblings that she might run for president. But, you know, it was left, the door was left open with Trump. I mean, that, that, that we not, now we see what was going on. We see what was really going on there. So I hope that this is a hard line that he's going to hold to. Um, it looks like it. It feels different, right? I mean he's been attacked. I mean, I think he's going to hold the line this time. I think, you know, I really do. So I, I like what's going on. I, I do too. Uh, I, I really do. Our next news headline is something uh, else that, that I like uh, about what's going on. And that is with, uh, with Elon Musk. Uh, he's threatening the Tesla board. So, so what, what is, what is that all about? Okay. And I listened to it this morning. I heard, I think I popped to like Bloomberg, Fox Business, and CNBC. And, and by the way, when you tune into this show as this thing evolves, I can pretty much guarantee you, you take that mainstream gaggle, right? And we, we literally put our goggles on and we get our little, uh, our little Krabby Claws and we try to pick out morsels of truth, right? Krabby Claws, right? And... What I was able to extract is that Tesla's um, board of directors, all right, Elon Musk saying he needs bigger uh, Tesla stake to do what to avoid being ousted, right? Uh, hey, listen, whether you like him or not, and we'll say hello uh, to everybody that's dropping in. Um, uh, everybody, welcome. Ricardo, he's up and early. Uh, up and at it early. Dollar Brigade, Rico Six, thank you very much for the $1. Thank you. But Elon Musk, whether you like him or not, he is brilliant. Okay, he's built. You know, even if you come, I, I used to criticize him for the subsidies that he was getting, right? It, it, let's say, for instance, mm, okay, let's say, for instance, you handed me a trillion dollars, right? I would have a difficult time, you know, there'd be a learning curve on how to spend that money and to build a company and scale it up efficiently. Don't you agree? Oh, yeah. His, like, yeah, I mean, it sounds great, right? The initial thing of, you know, sounds yeah, great. Oh, a trillion dollars, right? Well, oh. you remember the Brewster's Millions, right? Look out, remember that movie, how hard it was to spend the money? Yeah, I mean, you, 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 you have to know how to scale up businesses. You take a trillion dollars. You're really going to sit on it. I mean, unless you're, you're going to blow the money, uh, but you're not going to build a successful business. Well, uh, you know, him building that gigabit factory in, uh, in Texas, that AI development over many, many years, the way he scaled up his businesses, he's, he's gotten some subsidies and things like that. But ultimately, the brains behind that operation 
is Elon Musk, his vision, uh, and the where he's taking the company. So I say that he should um, avoid being ousted, taking a bigger stake. His overhanging threat was, and this is what I was able to extract from the three, from Fox Business, from CNBC this morning and Bloomberg, is that he's basically saying we're an AI company. <laughs> I mean, we've developed uh, AI technology and I could leave Tesla, Tesla. And that kind of threat to the investors, right? Um, the board has to be smart to say this stock will, will, will this company will fall apart if we don't have Elon Musk. Um, and he's threatening to just go off and do um, an AI company to take his AI development one step further. Yeah. Well, the battle there is on, right? Elon Musk, he definitely burned the bridge when he opened the gates up at, at Twitter or, you know, X, Twitter, the art you know, formerly known as Twitter. He definitely burned the bridges there, right? And he, he laid claim to where he was headed. And I think that upset a lot of people because he's got the ability to expose a lot of things. And you saw in the media right after that happened, right? You know, they bring up the photo of him, you know, with um, Joe Rogan, right? You know, smoking a joint with Joe Rogan. And, you know, he didn't know what he was doing. You can tell the guys, you know, he's fumbling around with it. You know, Joe Rogan's telling him. So, but they use that as now he's a drug user, right? So the media, the mainstream media came out and started, you know, painting him as a drug user, right? So they tried to taint him. And then, you know, then the whole, you know, X thing he got into with the Jewish everything, right? You know, that whole thing blew up, right? That tweet. And guess what he did? And the recently, I don't know exactly when it was, but he went over to Auschwitz with Ben Shapiro, right? To basically mend fences with the Jews. So we're seeing this is the this is the global battle, right? That's why we try to bring the world into this because this isn't just a, you know, California or New York or you know, Midwest, or this is a global battle going on. And we're seeing him go over to men fences, you know, with the Jewish population, going to Auschwitz, right? Even though we know Auschwitz was exaggerated, right? The numbers don't seem real on it. You know, there's a lot of sketchy stuff there, but I think he's under some significant pressure, pressure with the major power players around the world, and he's driving the wedge. And this guy's a professional operator. Trump's a professional negotiator. This guy's a professional operator. I mean, Elon Musk is incredibly brilliant in a different way than Donald Trump. Yeah, make, making some power moves. Um, yeah, is he known as a hardline negotiator? Uh, I, I, I guess he's becoming that way. Probably more so. I think you have to over time, right? You have to become more of a, a negotiator. Once you have, again, back to your, your concept of you're given a trillion dollars, you know, or you, you're accumulated a trillion dollars. Now you have to protect that, right? So there's a certain component of negotiating, right, just to hold your ground. And I think he is becoming a better negotiator over time. And he's, that's what we're seeing. He's going to the board and he's saying, give me 25% or see you later. You know, because he knows it's a battle. They're either kicking him out or he's walking. I mean, it's a matter of who, you know, am I walking out the door? Or am I getting kicked out the door? Or give me 25 plus percent, right? I mean, that's the deal. That's, yeah. I think that's where he's at. Uh, Tesla uh, CEO flouts a dual class stock structure and a power grab, but 25% stake would solidify influence without uh, total control. That's what he's. That's what he's looking for. 
Um, he keeps harping on the size of his stake in Tesla. I don't want to control it, but if I have so little influence at the company at this stage, I could be voted out by some random shareholder advisory firm, Musk said during an earnings call on Wednesday. Uh, again, the threat is that he wants to, he's threatening them saying, well, okay, well, if you don't give it to me, I'll leave. And I'm, I, I, we're an AI company anyway, and I'll start my own AI company. So good luck with your little Tesla cars. Yeah. One thing to check is Reed Hoffman on the board at, at Tesla. That's hilarious. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's a, yeah. But if, if that were the scenario or the analogy, we'd have to say, that um, Reed Hoffman is a, uh, he owns a, a GMC, okay? But he's over there sabotaging the Teslas, right? Yeah. <laughs> right? That's right. <laughs> okay. All right. Now, I want you to provide some commentary here because as the world shapes up into World War Stupid, right? We're not even calling it World War Three. It's like World War Ten. Uh, we're in a world war right now. Now there's concerns about supply chain disruptions, obviously, and I believe that those two headlines right there, chaos in the Red Sea, and of course the supply chain uh, disruptions, those two major headlines are interrelated. Okay, and as world and as world war shapes up. We can't go to war with China. Why? It would be too disruptive to the global supply chain, right? So what do we have to do is, oh, we, what do we do? Push the pause button on World War uh, Stupid with China and say, let's get all of our manufacturing over to India. But major U.S. firms are now, quote unquote, preferring India. They're literally shifting away uh, as best as they can. I don't know how they can do it from China over to India. What, what's your take on this story? Well, we I need to do some work on this, right? So we talk about the Red Sea, and I, this is one of those choke points that we need to look at because what is the effect of, you know, so when we look at the Red Sea and how it connects, you know, Europe to Asia, it also connects India, right? Mm -hmm. And so what we need to do is find out what the impacts are on India if we have one of these major choke points shut down. I need to do some work on that because it's, it's pretty critical. And, and this has been on my mind for a while, you know, of India is definitely being set up, right? India is definitely being set up, and it's quietly being set up as a um, sort of a, uh, a safe operation, even though it's sitting right there with Pakistan and Iran and all this, you know, it's definitely in the, right in the mix of everything. But it's a, it's a, um, it's sort of a Western economy with a Eastern mentality, work mentality, you know, low wages, low everything. So it's sort of in the middle of everything, right? And therefore, geographically, it's also in the middle. And the impacts of it with the Red Sea are pretty critical, too. What would, what would happen to India if the Red Sea exploded, right? Well, uh, I guess uh, what's the, it's probably a bad word, but if it if it uh, became more chaotic, right? And and everybody, nobody could pass through there, right? It was back in the old Turkish days, right? When they just locked everything down. What would happen to India? I don't know, right? I don't know that the answer to that question, but I'd like to know, and I need to do some research on that. And I've started it, I just haven't finished it. So we should come back and visit that. But Here's the thing from the China perspective. China's in a lot of trouble too, right? Their stock market, as we covered yesterday, I can flip over and show you a chart. Their stock, their stock market's been down for three years and it's been down significantly over the last year. 
and their foreign direct investment, which means people's willingness to go to, to China and invest there has been on the decline, probably the lowest we've seen in five years. Right, so Xi, right, the, the guy who runs, the president of, of China, right, he's in, they're in trouble. And so they are gonna have a hard time doing what they wanna do, right? Continuing the Belt and Road Initiative, continuing the, you know, reinvigorating the Silk Road, right? You know, from history, you know, attacking Taiwan, right? You know, they took over Hong Kong during COVID, right? Kind of discreetly, right? Nobody really talked about that. You and I have mentioned it briefly, but it needs to be dis you know, you got to think about what they did during COVID. They took over Hong Kong, right? Hong Kong was putting up a protest and they just swept them under their umbrella. But now it's a little tougher with Taiwan, right? Taiwan, with, without the investment, you start shutting down this microchip sector and China's in big trouble. So what's the shift? This is, we have to pay attention to this. This isn't a one day, I can't answer that today, but it's something we need to stay on. Hopefully that gives you a little bit of background on it. I need to do some more work on it, right? For us, from a global perspective. And we probably need to start tracking some more of the Indian markets. We track the Chinese markets, but I probably need to do a better job of tracking these Indian markets for our communities, right? Yes. Before you put that chart up, uh, let's uh, let's. I want to take a look at that uh, China chart. Before you do that, I want to make an announcement here. All right, a couple things. Uh, I'm actually thinking about buying uh, because we're going to talk about silver. I think let's take a look at silver. I'm thinking of making some purchases of silver um, and, and also offering it up, you know, small purchases even for for our uh, viewers, all right? that That's just a separate little thing at Pistol Pete's store. We may uh, end up doing that. I love silver. That's me. Um, and if you want to pick up small quantities, uh, silver is at a place that you'll learn here as we go. Um, it's hit its, uh, its down... Uh, cycle right that uh, the the lower harmonic it's hit that uh, where it goes uh, Craig's gonna uh, have us take a look at it but right now uh, here's the announcement Dr. Kirk Elliott an LFA he's literally uh, agreed to uh, I say literally he has agreed he's a big First Amendment advocate he's going to sponsor LFA's org um, uh, sponsorship on Twitter just going to pay for it. It's like being an advertiser. And Twitter is going to, in turn, open up the floodgates as far as the algorithm. Uh, and, it'll, and it gives us greater reach. All right? So LFA uh, and Dr. Kirk Elliott, do me a favor today. Uh, I want you to pick up the phone if you haven't already called him for a consultation that everyone needs right now. Uh, I believe you do. Um, even if you have a small amount, a large amount, it doesn't matter. You all have a dog in the fight. You need to figure out where you allocate your, whether it be precious metals or he's asset preservation, basically. You want to protect your, your nest egg, even if it's a small amount. Call Dr. Kirk Elliott today. Make it a point. At least to thank Dr. Kirk Elliott for stepping up, defending the First Amendment, and supporting LFA's efforts to get the word out in the most critical election in our entire lifetime. Dr. Kirk Elliott stepping up to do that. His number is 720-605. I can't see it. 3,900. Is that what it is? 3,900. Just want to make sure I get that right. 3,900. Pick up the phone. Call him. Say, Pete said to give you a call and thank you for your sponsorship of LFA's 
Twitter account is going to open up the floodgates for everyone on our entire network. All right. Now, Craig, let's go back to you. Um, and we'll take it to, let's see, we've got 46 minutes. We'll take it to the top of the hour break. But show us that China chart, would you please? Yeah, let's take a look at that here. So this is the China Shanghai Composite Stock Market Index, and this is over the past year. So I don't have the three-year, but basically it was grinding lower for the first two years of its last three-year period, right? And then what we see is this is the last year, and you can see the over the last, you know, that last leg down, that's what we call a capitulation. So the Shanghai market is in basically free fall for the last month or two. And so what they've done, and let me flip over here real quick, we'll take a look at, this is the Hong Kong market, right? So these two are kind of becoming one, as I said, right? You know, Hong Kong got usurped into China, at, you know, during COVID. And the Shanghai market is kind of their primary market for judging, you know, what their stock market's doing and so forth. So, you know, back to the Shanghai market, you can see the difference in these two, right? The Hong Kong market's grinding, not quite as much of a capitulation. The Shanghai market really has fallen off in the last little bit. So that tells us, you know, China is under pressure, right? And this goes back to your prior question of, you know, this move from China to India, the big power players, you know, the, you know, there a lot of hedge funds have been burned in China. You know, private equity firms have been burned in China. And I don't think they saw this coming. So what's going on, right? Is this part of this populist movement? Is China resisting their old rule? There are a lot of things we just don't know, right? But what we do know is that investment will stop going to China and it will look for another place. Could that be India? That's basically the headline. And that's what we're pointing at is could investment stop going to China? Could it go to India? And how does that change the geographic, you know, the geopolitical, the geofinancial, right? This big picture of, you know, where is the money going to go? Because when the money goes someplace, that means investment, that means development, that means, you know, typically increases in GDP, gross domestic product for that region. It means, you know, better finances and also means more geopolitical power for that region. So could India be a tipping point, right, in this whole populist movement? It's possible, you know, so that's why we need to research. We need to understand what happens with the Red Sea, because if the Red Sea gets shut off, that could shut India off tremendously, right? We just need to understand what the implications are. And I, and I just need to do more work on that before I, I have opinions, but I don't have enough, enough you know, research to back it up. So, uh, so I'll leave that at that. And that gives us an idea of what the charts, what the charts are saying and why China is under pressure and why Xi is under pressure. And we mentioned this yesterday. They're getting ready to go into their, their uh, Chinese New Year. So this is when they spend, this is when they get out and they get, you know, they have their festivals and other things, right? So it's a, you know, an internal economic boost for them. And if people aren't feeling good, if they don't feel like there's, they're not going to spend and it's going to send China into an even further down spiral. So again, are the people behind the, the leadership? I just, I think it's starting to fall apart over there. It's, it's possible. You know, we got to keep our eyes on this. We, we do. Uh, and I'm sorry, I was trying to find something here. Oh, sorry about that. Um, yeah, yeah, and uh, we're we're talking. Well, uh, from what I understand, I saw I saw a report this morning. I mean, it's um, uh, it's like trillions of dollars uh, off the table. Um, that G is. I, I mean, is it even real um, when they lose trillions of dollars? They uh, their their plunge protection team just comes in and falsely. Inflates a fake market, isn't it? The Chinese CCP market. Well, that's a great point. Every time that China gets in trouble like this, 
they they come in and and so does every country to some extent right we want to act like we're free market capitalists we, we have been through periods of time but i would say over the last 30 to 40 years i'm not quite sure that we have been free market capitalists you know since we started the spending spree that really started in the 80s you know, that propped up the first big wave into the 2001 bubble. And then we came back in and we got 2008 and that really accelerated our deficit spending. And then we got COVID and that really accelerated our deficit spending even more, right? So, you know, those three big waves of deficit spending have put us in a bad spot. And so, you know, are we really free market capitalists? I'm not sure, you know, that's a hard thing to monitor, but we know China's not, and every time they get in trouble like this and their stock market starts to fall apart, this is what they do, they come in and bail it out. Can't, you can't blame them for it in some respects, but at the same point in time, you're never gonna fix your internal problems if you just keep bailing things out. You can't fix debt with more debt, right? Very seldom can you fix debt issues with more debt. It can be done, but it's very rare. You know, you have to be, yeah. <laughs> be very skilled and disciplined to use debt to fix debt. Yeah, and, here, and nobody in the world is disciplined right now. <laughs> here, Here's uh, uh, this report. Uh, China's $6 trillion uh, stock wipeout exposes a deeper problem with Xi. Six trillion. It was six trillion. Yeah. Trillions six trillion. of dollars. Uh, but you're right. Uh, how can I criticize their fake CCP plunge protection team when we do the same exact thing? Right. And the, the thing is, we don't have to. We know. And this is what Malay was talking about at Davos, right, is, you know, don't screw up what's gotten you here. You know, and that's what we're doing. You know, it's, you know, we're screwing up what's gotten us here, which is innovation, free market capitalism. But we've been just slowly destroying it over the last 30 to 40 years. Right. We've been whittling away at this great gem of unlocking human potential. You know, that's what we've been destroying. And, you know, that's where we're at. Yep, that's right. Now, what we're going to do, uh, let's take a take a short break here at the top of the hour, and we're going to come back and hammer home uh, on, on top of the top five news headlines. We've got one right here. Uh, British billionaire Joe Lewis pleading guilty to insider trading. Did you see that one? Yep. That's, that's a big deal. Other news coming up uh, this morning. It's going to be a um, fast-paced show, two hours, front page rumble on LFA beginning February 1st. Right now, you're tuned in to this. we got to get there, our production set right. It is going to be the best market analysis of any other. And I'm talking Bloomberg, CNBC, Fox Business. You're tuned into Market Ultra with yours truly and Craig Winklewitz. We'll be back Ladies and gentlemen, with more news right after this. Lindell and I'm excited to announce my new product, My Coffee. I get products all the time from entrepreneurs for my new platform, MyStore.com. And when I tried my coffee for the first time, I was blown away. It is the best coffee I've ever had in my life. I spent the last four months doing my due diligence, and this family-owned business micromanages every step from the fields to the cup to ensure the best quality coffee you're ever going to have. 
It starts with the beans that are grown in Honduras. Honduras's volcanic soil and humid climate make the perfect growing conditions for coffee plants, which produce the best beans ever. Then each batch is tested for its aroma, taste, and other aspects to meet the highest standards in the coffee industry. And after that, it goes into production, which is all done right here in the USA. It's like you're getting that small batch specialty coffee, but delivered right to your front door. So go to mystore.com or call the number on your screen. Use the promo code and you'll get your very own My Coffee for 25% off. You guys all know that I've traveled the country for the past year and a half. I've stayed in hundreds of hotels. I've tried every coffee out there. Well, some of the coffees have that terrible aftertaste, some that leave me jittery, or I get an upset stomach. Well, my coffee is different. It's the richest, smoothest, best coffee I've ever had. My coffee comes in a variety of flavors. You get them ground or whole bean, plus it's certified organic and non-GMO. I guarantee it'll be the best coffee you've ever had. So go to mystore.com or call the number on your screen. Use your promo code and you'll get my coffee for 25% off. And I'm going to give you deep discounts on all my store products. That's mystore.com. It's my new platform for USA entrepreneurs. Please order now. Banks are supposed to be the safest placeholders for cash in the world. But in 2022, that changed. The Federal Reserve pulled out $2.5 trillion of liquidity out of the banks. And the Fed also changed the requirements so banks don't need to keep any funds on hand. This means banks are starved for liquidity and have now become very dangerous places to hold your assets. Get out of the system with the world's safest and most private assets, silver and gold. Call Kirk Elliott, Ph.D. at 720-605-3900. Be sure to tell him Pete Santilli sent you. Lindell and I'm excited to announce my new product, My Coffee. I get products all the time from entrepreneurs for my new platform. Rico, $25. Here's a small BD present at Deb Santilli. I called her Deb Jordan this morning. It's going to be a tough habit to break. Uh, my lovely bride. Hopefully you guys tuned into the show yesterday. It was awesome. But um, uh, Deb will, um, she'll be straggling in here as we start to turn the corner. And we are turning uh, the corner. Let's do this. Let's, let's wrap up. Uh, our top news headlines of the day. Um, just real, real quick, um, we've got uh, chaos uh, in the Red Sea. This is not a little thing. Chaos in the Red Sea. Very disruptive to the, the global economy. Um, 
we've got this military slash commercial uh, function going on. Um, it's huge. Uh, what's your take on what's going on in the Red Sea as to the disruption uh, in the commercial shipping sector? Yeah, well, I think with accounts up to 500 ships now have been impacted by this, right? So yeah. it is having an impact. That, you know, we talk about logistics, right? And this perfection of this logistical supply chain. And, you know, this definitely throws a wrench in it. And, um, and you know, and the, and the oil side of it is something we can take a look at, too, because obviously it has an impact on that. And so we have a combination of two things in the oil market that really are seem to have an impact. This Red Sea thing is potentially keeping crude oil from falling more than it has, okay? Back in October, when Israel was attacked, we had a harmonic signal that, uh, you know, had an impact on the, I'll flip over here, I'll get this ready to go with the crude oil, we'll take a quick look at this, but we had an, we had a, uh, this harmonic structure that pushed crude oil, um, against the grain right so when you think israel gets attacked and things heat up in the middle east what you think is this is going to drive crude oil higher right that's what we've been trained to think and that's typically the correlation right conflict in the middle east crude oil goes higher right however this time you know we had the conflict and then crude oil dropped right and so our big target area was this uh was this area right in here right this 7937 and this was back in October when the when the event occurred. So a lot of things have happened since then. But this 7937 has been a real line in the sand for us. And so we use this to track what's really going on in the Red Sea. We use this and we use gold, right? So gold reacted to that attack as well. And and it had a spike, again, up to its full upside harmonic, right? We can flip over real quickly at that and we'll bridge over to the metal markets at least enter into that a little bit in a second but the red sea we can use these two markets to monitor the red sea right we have because obviously we have an energy crude oil component and then we have a fear component right fear of war breaking out fear of economic damage all these different fears that go with it and the gold market helps us represent that right so what we had here was crude oil broke down first right and it broke below the 79.37 and then it retested it twice and I said, as long as we stay below 79.37, basically the harmonic said, I didn't really say, I just interpreted, but the harmonic said, as long as it stays below 79.37, crude oil is gonna be under pressure. And so now we're looking at, you know, here's a prior high back on um, the 26th, 27th of, of December. And then here we are, we're retesting that here again. So we'll use this crude oil market, right, to, to monitor the Red Sea it will react quickly if something really erupts or something significantly changes. Again, the line in the sand still remains at 79.37, but we also have these two prior highs that we're watching here. Um, and then if I flip over real quickly to was gold, that, was that, what well, I'm sorry, well, what was that uh, most recent? What did it touch, 75 or something like that? Yeah, so this right here is, um, this is 76.31. This is Sorry. West Texas Intermediate. So this is our crude oil market, right? This is this is the bulk of the crude oil. We have Brent crude, which is basically out of the the sea, just the uh, um, the sea just north of England, right? And this is West Texas Intermediate is what this pricing is based off. This is the crude oil futures market. This is the uh, what contract is this? It's the March 24 contract. So. 
So this gives us the most up-to-date pricing on the crude oil market, right? And that's what we're watching. I mean, this 76.23, right? If you hear, you know, crude oil climbing above 76.23, you know that it's breaking out on the upside and you know something's probably changing. The other thing that impacted this crude oil market the last couple of days were crude oil inventories, right? Crude oil came in, um, let me see if I can flip over to that real quickly. So we had crude oil inventories um, yesterday and bear with me just a second while I pull this up. That's okay. Actually yep. There we go. So yesterday, crude, oils were, crude oil inventories were expected at 1.2 million barrel surplus build, and we actually got a negative 9.2 million barrel De decline. So this is a significant pressure, right? So this is the demand, the, this is the supply side is decreasing, right? So it's getting, there's not as much out there, right? So this should have an impact on upward price in crude oil. So crude oil is not a pure representation of the Red Sea, but it, but we do pay close attention to it, obviously, you know, because of the impacts with energy. And then we had the crude oil influence on crude, the, uh, the inventory data coming in weaker than expected, also pushing the crude oil market up higher. Okay, here's another thing, because we're talking about, uh, again, U.S. firms preferring India over China, all right? Now, you end up with problems, with, uh, I hate to conspiracy theorize, uh, but China has a dog in the fight by screwing with the Red Sea uh, conflict, especially if India's, you know, they're shipping routes up into Europe if India becomes a big exporter, right? Uh, supply, you're cutting off Europe, that entire thoroughfare. India now uh, flexing their muscles with their military, um, with their uh, their Navy vessels, getting into this conflict to open up the Red Sea somehow, some way. Right now it's a freaking war zone. And India has a dog in the fight here, especially as it contends with the competition against China as the exporter out there, right? I mean, that's a huge thing, is yeah, it not? that's right. And then, you know, what you can do is pay attention to, or at least read between the lines as to who's funding who. So when you hear the Houthis are, you know, stirring stuff up in the Red Sea, who's funding them, right? And what's their interest, right? So it's all about, again, it comes back to, you know, the, the, the money, power, control. It, it, if you yep. go back to that as your, you know, you can usually figure out what's going on if you keep that in mind. Yep. Okay. Uh, lastly, and we will mention this, FAA uh, intervening. Pete uh, Buttigoop, uh, uh, under the, uh, he's reared his, uh, oh, I'm sorry, I shouldn't be talking about rears as it relates to uh, uh, Pete Buttigoop. But uh, the FAA, FAA halting Boeing 737 MAX production expansion. Uh, but clears the path to the return of the MAX 9 to service. FAA said it would halt any Boeing 737 MAX production. Um, and uh, FAA grounded the jets after a door panel blew out on Alaska, Alaska Airlines flight uh, earlier uh, this month. Um, that halting, uh, the government coming in to do that, halting production of Boeing, that is going to tank their stock, period. And Boeing has uh, a lot of, I mean, that, that's a big deal. Um, I say it in layman's terms. How big of a deal do you think it's going to be? Well, 
it's a good question. Um, and in time, what we'll do is we'll start running the harmonics or, or introducing the harmonics on individual stocks, right, to, to this. And then what we can do is look at the history, and I can come up with a much better analysis of what does it really mean. And we can get these lines in the sand, right, that say, okay, if it breaks below here, it's probably going to, you know, it's, it's in jeopardy. So that's the way I like to look at things. I like to take the harmonic structures and then apply the news back to it. Right. And so, with, you know, without having that available to us right here at, the, at this moment, we'll, we'll get uh, we'll get better equipped to do that. Right. Where we can pull it up on the fly. Any, you know, breaking news I, within two or three minutes, I can do some analysis on it. And we'll have a good idea. But the but without saying that, what this reminds me of is remember last time Boeing had, you know, the uh, remember the down planes and the whole control systems, the control sensors on the things and the, and the computer programming that was potentially overriding these pilots ability to pull out from a nosedive. You know, I know that was a big deal, but if you really remember what was going on then, all the pilots that were well-trained didn't have a problem with overriding it. It was the third world countries who didn't get the good training on these Boeing planes that were having the problems. And I thought, I, I personally, I mean, you got to remember where Boeing was back then. Boeing was just on a rampage on the upside. I mean, it, it felt like it was, you know, unstoppable. There was nothing that was going to stop Boeing, right? And then you get this event. Sometimes I just, I'm very suspicious when I see this stuff go on because is this a big deal? I mean, is it being made a bigger deal than what it is? I, I just don't know, Pete, right? Like the last one was very suspicious to me, right? When Because Boeing went from like over $400, it went down to like $70. I mean, you talk about an haircut. And I get it, it was a big deal, but it was only for untrained pilots who didn't know how to compensate for this. And again, remember what Boeing was doing, right? They were trying to stretch that airplane. It's, it's useful life, right? They really knew they needed to do a redesign on that airplane, but what they ended up doing was just sort of modifying it with com computer controls and sensors and different things and relocating the engine so that they could get further utility out of that particular uh, yeah. model of aircraft. So, you know, I just, just that one felt so overblown to me, right? You know, and, and I was very interested in Boeing when it got down below 100 because it just seemed like this. So what is it going to do to it this time? I don't know without doing the analysis, but I know that this smells a little fishy to me again. I, it doesn't mean that I'm right, but it smells fishy. Yeah. Uh, okay. Let me uh, just uh, take time out just real quick here. Uh, Craig, if you could, um, uh, I've been talking about... Uh, the wellness company and their, you know, their medical, uh, their medical emergency kit. You guys know about this, right? Uh, the COVID kit. I've been talking about that for a little while. Uh, and now uh, this one product uh, that I've been really featuring because of the formulation by Dr. Peter McCullough uh, is honestly another uh, product that the wellness company um, has put together that I believe every American uh, should be taking regularly, or at the very least, uh, have on hand for when it's necessary. Uh, it's called spike support. So I just want you to hear, hear me out for just a second. If you're not thinking that something is going on at this point with so many uh, previously healthy uh, people experiencing myocarditis, uh, blood clots, turbo cancers, menstrual irregularities, miscarriages, and the new died suddenly phenomenon, uh, you're not paying attention. And what is it? Variation uh, 
X or the election variant is on its way. Uh, the culprit is spike protein. Spike protein is a lingering threat from both the vaccine and the man-made China virus, the bioweapon. Uh, linked to all kinds of long-term health issues. Even Pfizer is now admitting uh, that there's problems um, with what they're putting out on the market. But so many people, myself included, uh, are looking for answers. And we hear uh, from people all the time, how do I reverse the damage? Um, but you're looking for answers, ways to stay healthy despite the spike, spike proteins that are part of our population now while we know those answers won't ever come from the mainstream media uh truth seeking doctors like dr peter mccullough dr drew pinsky and their team at the wellness company are here to provide answers and of course uh hope there is light at the end of the tunnel uh there's one question that these doctors get every single day how do i detox from the vaccine and covid Thanks to the wellness company, there's actually something we can do. That product formulated, if you heard it from Dr. Peter McCullough, uh, because he was helping his brother out. But Spike Support Formula, a unique blend of natural ingredients aiming to block and dissolve spike, spike protein in your body so you can get back to that pre-COVID feeling and stop waiting for the other shoe to drop. Uh, their website adds tons of testimonials. Um, of customers reporting increased mental clarity, energy levels, uh, among many other things. But whether they got poked or not, we're still getting really good results from that. But reclaim your health at twc.health forward slash Pete. Use promo code Pete for 10% off at checkout. That's twc.health forward slash Pete, promo code Pete, in this fight for truth and medical freedom. You owe it to yourself and your family to take back control of your health. This is an important conversation to have. Um, not enough people are having right now, but spike protein causing a whole host of long-term health issues that we're seeing right now. But there's hope at the uh, end of the tunnel. Uh, Craig, now back to you as we... Uh, get closer here to data. I didn't, I, didn't, I didn't even know they were one of our sponsors, but I take it every day. So you, that's, <laughs> I take it. Are you serious? I didn't, I didn't. Oh yeah. I love it. I mean, the concept's good. I love Peter McCullough. I take it every day. I mean, I don't take the two capsules. They say, I just take one capsule cause I didn't take the vaccine, but I just do it as a preventative thing. And I, okay. you know, that's yeah, great. So. But to listen, listen to this. Dr. Peter McCullough told me this. Um, if well, and also Dr. Judy Mikovits. Did you uh, know Dr. Judy said stay away from uh, the grocery stores that have pharmacies? Did you know that? Makes sense. I didn't. I didn't hear that. But couple yeah, things. They've got all those vaccines in the back. All right. Um, they also have people that are lined up. That place is just a festering emitter of spike proteins. She said, stay away from them. You may not have gotten the vax. Uh, you may not be, you know, exposed to people that are uh, necessarily, you know, infected with the uh, China virus. But the spike proteins that are popping off, you're being subjected to that. And she says, stay away from those grocery stores. Um, we, we all have a dog in this fight, whether or not you got poked, right? 
Yep. So that's good yep. that you're taking that. And he developed this product for his brother because uh, he had to reverse the damage. Uh, it took him like three or four months of taking it, but that's a great product. I'm glad you mentioned that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. All right, sir. Uh, so we've we've got data. Listen, uh, Thursdays uh, we got a GDP report. Um, expected to show U.S. economy is at a crossroads. Um, what are you looking at as far as uh, data this morning, 8.30, that normally hits? And uh, and when you break away from us, and, and I go to my lovely and beautiful bride, uh, Deb Santilli, she'll be joining me here. We've got big news to cover as we transition. You'll take a look at data, then go to the mor morning bell. And if you need to pop in uh, to give us an update, but what are you looking at as far as uh, GDP? What are what's what's coming on the data calendar this morning? Yes, yeah. So uh, this week we had a pretty light week, light uh, data schedule coming out Monday and Tuesday. Uh, Wednesday, you can see it picked up. That's the middle block there. Um, let me flip over to this one there. We'll take a look at Wednesday. So Wednesday we had a lot of stuff coming out of Europe, right? We had basically PMI numbers, purchasing managers index numbers, right? So it gives us an idea, anything below 50 is contractionary, anything above 50 is expansionary, just to keep it simple. And so what we see is, you know, everything on there is below 50, right? So France, Germany, Eurozone, England, right? So all still contractionary. Bank of Canada had a policy statement yesterday, earlier in the week, the only thing we had on Monday was Bank of Japan had a policy statement. Canada had a policy statement yesterday. They they paused from July of 23, and they're basically on hold. They're, I think they're right around 5% is their, their current rate. We had U.S. flash manufacturing PMI came in at 50.3, right? So it was expected at 47.6. So we went from that contractionary to an expansionary just slightly, right? If we want to believe it. And then we talked a little bit earlier about the crude oil inventories, right? And so as we go into today, right, this is our Thursday data. And so today, in a little bit, we're going to have the European Central Bank policy statement. And we may have just gotten that. So the euro looks like it's popping a little bit. The dollar's under a little pressure. We'll take a quick look at the dollar with that in mind. And then at 8.30, we're going to get there. So what will happen is they announce the policy stance, and then Christine Lagarde will come on, and then they'll talk. She'll have a press conference. She basically, it looks like the set of Star Trek. And it's sort of a dog and pony show, but she'll come out and answer questions, you know. So um, we may comment on that later on today if anything's important comes out during uh pete santilli show but i don't perceive it because they're kind of just stuck in stuck in the mud right now and then we're going to get so today we'll get advanced gdp core durable goods new home sales and then we'll get natural gas storage coming out after that and then tomorrow we have another heavy data with heavy day to day with core pce uh, that's the um, personal consumption expenditures. We'll get personal income, personal spending, and then we'll get pending home sales tomorrow. So again, heavy loaded on the back end of the week. And what's so important about that is this, right? If I flip over and we take a look at the dollar, um, what we're watching here is the dollar is climbing back up into our breakout zone, right? It didn't quite complete. We would have loved to have seen it complete. I don't know if we can see that on there with the thing. Let me see if I can lift this up a little. There we go. There, that's, I think now we can see it. Looking back at the screen. Okay, so this is what we we're looking at down here is we would have loved to have seen the dollar get down into this area because that would have given us a good indication would given us something to lean against on the dollar it only came down to the seven eights harmonic and then you can see we spent a lot of time chopping around in here and now we're back up here at this breakout zone so the dollar's looking for some footing 
and you can see it staying below this breakout zone right there. That's a pretty significant point this morning. It went up, tested it. So if it stays below this basically pink channel that I have drawn up there, the dollar's under pressure, okay? So with all this data coming out today and tomorrow, we wanna see what happens to the dollar, right? Does a dollar stay under pressure relative to the rest of the world, okay? And and that's that's essentially it, right? That's how we use these harmonics. If we start to climb back or you know, fall back below this green, this green line that's our halfway harmonic that just further puts us under puts a dollar under pressure right if we get below this bright green line right that's going to tell us usually a market will exhaust itself there as we're going to take a look at in silver and the stocks here in a second we just had some signals complete so we look at these basically that pink zone at the top the dark green line in the middle right and we look at that bright green line those are our three significant points we look at from these harmonic structures and then we have the little ones in between but this is what we're looking at if the dollar stays below that pink zone up above it's under pressure and it's just it's really that simple and that's that's how we try to keep this simple There's, we can make it complex but we just try to keep it simple in that fashion Yes, sir. All right. You're uh, going to break away. We're going to break away and transition um, here to the Pete Antilly show and actually cover and dig into uh, this news. Uh, we didn't get a chance and we don't necessarily have to. I will on the other side of it, Craig, because I know you need to uh, you need to get to work. But this British billionaire, Joe Lewis, uh, have you followed that story at all? Um, just briefly, uh, I, I know about it, but I don't know all the details of it. Securities fraud related to insider trading. Here's my commentary on that. They're all a bunch of insider traders. Uh, but when they uh, go after somebody and they, they, you know, a lot of these useful idiots, once they're done with them, they throw them under the bus. But this British billionaire, Joe Lewis, pleading guilty in New York federal courts of securities fraud related to insider trading. Lewis's company, Broad Bay Limited, also pleaded guilty in the same proceeding to participating in the scheme to hide his ownership of shares of a pharmaceutical company by making false filings and misleading financial statements. Broad Bay will pay $50 million uh, in penalties. And isn't that what it's all about when I start reading this stuff? Um, it, 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 the SEC just uh, goes after the cash grab, don't they? They love assessing fines. Nobody ever really gets held accountable. You steal a billion, you pay, you know, uh, fifty million. It's a pretty good deal, isn't it? Yeah. And where do all the fines go? Where, when they collect that fifty, where does it go? I never see where it goes. Right. So. This just when I got out of graduate school, I went down to a firm in Florida and worked down there and we got money from the 2001 NASDAQ bubble popping. Right. They, they felt the consumer. Right. The end and the, the retail investor got hosed because they didn't have information. So somehow they find the big Wall Street firms money and then they gave us some of it. Right. To, to do research, to to make a product for the retail investor. And we did. We I was part of that process. We built this product, but it, I never saw that it went out to the people. Right? We never made that available to the people. We built it, but we never made it available. We never advertised it. And and when you add up the money that was given to us and a couple other firms to build this product, it doesn't add up to the amount that they find Wall Street. So I always wondered, like, where did it go? Where did all that money go? I, I always wonder when these fines happen. Where does the money go? Where does it go? I don't, know. I don't know. And I and I was there firsthand. I got to watch this go down, you know, in 2003, 2004. Where does it go? I don't know. 
we we don't know. Um, and my my main concern, like with the uh, subprime mortgage uh, meltdown, um, uh, the companies that were uh, just because of what they did, uh, the fines that were assessed, they literally uh, extracted trillions of dollars, and they were given fines of like three hundred million. I'm thinking to myself, man, that's a good freaking deal. Cut a cut a deal. If I can take a trillion dollars and pay three hundred million, you know, you just skim a little bit off the top to pay off the freaking SEC, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and not to dive back into politics here, but you know, this guy that we we talked about, Carrie Lake's thing yesterday. Maybe you guys are going to dive back into that today. We are. As a matter of fact, I have Josh Bernstein coming on at the LFA show. Uh, he was involved in in uh, squeezing. Uh, DeWitt for uh, for his resignation. There was a group that was like, you're about to get slammed. Good. Um, Good. I'm glad I, you're covering that. Yeah. If you look at that, mainstream media didn't cover that at all yesterday, right? I looked and they didn't, they were not showing that whole event, right? That we, you guys covered yesterday. And so that gets cut, that doesn't get covered, but then the fines that, you know, this Joe guy is getting fined, right? Like it gets covered. Why is it, just think about that really think about that so they want you to know about this guy and the finding of him they don't want you to know about the situation with Carrie Lake mm. that's propaganda right the extremes of propaganda right black white propaganda right not black and white color wise but I mean just you know that vivid division between not being covered being covered right how can you not cover this Carrie Lake thing how can the mainstream media not cover that but they don't that's right, ladies and gentlemen, everybody, uh, perk up, get ready. Uh, the, the beautiful, vivacious, uh, my lovely bride, Deb Santilli, will be joining me uh, after we take this break. Craig, you're welcome to pop in at any time. Take a look at our data. Um, uh, market opening bell. You can pop in. Just let me know if you decide to do that. But uh, for right now, we're going to uh, transition to the Pete Santilli show uh, right after this, ladies and gentlemen. Don't go away. We'll be right back right after this short message. What, oh, what are we doing here? Pete Santilli fumbling like crazy. We'll be right back. You guys stay. This is Austin Steinbar, and you are tuned in to the Pete Santilli Show. Banks are supposed to be the safest placeholders for cash in the world, but in 2022, that changed. The Federal Reserve pulled out $2.5 trillion of liquidity out of the banks, and the Fed also changed the requirements so banks don't need to keep any funds on hand. This means banks are starved for liquidity and have now become very dangerous places to hold your assets. Get out of the system with the world's safest and most private assets, silver and gold. Call Kirk Elliott, Ph.D. at 720-605-3900. Be sure to tell him Pete Santilli sent you. 
To celebrate the new year, we're having the biggest sale ever on overstock clearance and brand new products. For example, save 60% on our Goose Down comforters, the best comforters ever. They go perfectly with our MyPillow bed sheets and duvet covers. Save 25% on our brand new kitchen towels. They're made with the same technology as our famous My Towels. Our initial quantities are extremely low, so get them now before they go. Our seasonal flannel sheets are fine. Finally in, you save up to 50% and they sell out fast every year, so order now. They're truly the best flannel sheets you'll ever sleep on. Or save up to 80% on all our clearance items. And this is where it gets even better. For a limited time, your entire order ships absolutely free. So go to MyPillow.com or call the number on your screen. Use that promo code to get deep discounts on all MyPillow products. And for a limited time, your order ships absolutely free. G'day, I'm Dr. Mark Miller for Bella Grace, and I'd like to have a chat with you about Bella Trim, our comprehensive weight management product. Now, most people early on will register a reduction in cravings associated with Bella Trim. How does it do that? Well, it does it by changing the levels of hormones that are associated with either hunger or satiety. It lowers the levels of ghrelin, a hunger hormone, and it raises the levels of GLP-1, the satiety hormone. As a result of that rebalancing act, you have fewer cravings. Net result, fewer trips to the snack cabinet where you may eat something that you shouldn't. It's comprehensive, it does a lot more than that. Though. There is an absolutely fascinating action on a metabolic switch called AMP kinase, AMPK. AMPK is associated with the preferential burning of fat as a metabolic fuel. And as a result, you have a reduction in visceral fat and, and reduction in waist circumference. It does more than that. It also helps regulate blood glucose. Blood glucose is a huge factor in weight management. And it does that by optimizing the actions of insulin. It also affects blood lipids. It lowers LDL, lowers triglycerides, all of those bad cholesterols that you hear about, at the same time as raising the levels of HDL, the good cholesterol. In addition for cardiovascular health, it also helps normalize blood pressure. There's more to it than that, though. It also improves your microbiome. We do that by several ways. One, there's an ingredient in there that stimulates greater diversity. And the other one is prebiotics, FOSS and GOSS, that help feed the good bacteria, gentrify your microbiome. So, Bella Trim, comprehensive. Enjoy it. Cheers. Never be 
do some more uh, I'm still coming off of uh, uh, by the way this uh, better than a fentanyl overdose I'll tell you that much Okay, <laughs> uh, this is the ultimate uh, high uh, my lovely bride Deb Santilli yes I keep calling her Deb Jordan I know Deb Jordan I can't wait until we get our Good photos. Morning. Our photos. Huh? I can't wait until we get our photos and videos back. We'll go uh, back. A thousand and... photos. Oh no! Actually, I was uh, told it, is, it was well over a thousand photos. It's more like fifteen. They're coming. We're so. going to share those with. I mean, unless you guys don't want to see it. You guys want to see it? Yeah, everyone is raving about. Oh, look at that! So uh, Shire zero eight says Pete's been glowing. What is? <laughs> oh, oh, have I Liberty, been Liberty Bell 57 said, Deb should record a new song entitled Stop Interrupting. <laughs> yeah. I love that. That is so funny. Camden won. I cry every time I hear Deb sing that. Thank you, Camden. I hope you're doing better, Camden. Hope you're doing well. We I hope you, you are. Um, uh, all right, so welcome and good morning, Deb Jordan. Good morning, Pete. Ah! Good morning to you. <laughs> did you hear what I just called you? Oh, you did. I said good morning, Deb Santelli. Oh, man. Yeah. Yeah, good morning to you. Okay, so this morning right out of the gates, mm -hmm. uh, and it had to do with Market Ultra because uh, President Trump uh, taken out his, look at Rico, pulled a Mary. Married card, Deb Santilli. Uh-huh. Yeah. Thank you so much. Uh, uh, Rico trying to inspire everybody. I hope you guys are inspired to support us. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Looking forward to the wedding photos. We will share them with you. Yeah, um, we'll have a link as soon as we get them. We're going to have... Yeah, and I think I'm going to redo... I'm going to use that song and do a little... Mm. And put our stuff in there in the video, right? Yes. Mm hmm. Yes. But it um, takes a while. It takes a while. I'm understanding that the photos will by the all way, be worked oh, oh, on this yeah, week. Do me a favor, please. Uh huh. Okay. You just said, oh, I'm not going to do any more carbs. It's your birthday. And we're not going to talk about where we're going to go for your birthday, but they have a lot of carbs wherever you want to go I for know. your birthday. Huh? I Just know. A, uh huh. Uh, uh, well, you said, okay, she wants to go to the Olive Garden. Can I say it? I do. Or we should go to Buga de Beppo. What do you think? Oh, I want to go to the Olive Garden. Why? Because I just really like it. Why Olive Garden versus because, Buca de Beppo? Well, because they have these fried ravioli. That they do? I'm, I just love those things. Fried ravioli? Yeah. Okay. It is so good. All right. And it's so t and I love their salad better yeah, than I do. It's not. Uh, we're we're not fancy people. Um, no. As a matter of fact, I didn't even take pictures. Uh, I don't know oh, if you know this. I didn't Sheena, take Sheena or uh, Shine Sheena. I think it is. Deb and I have were born on the same day. Happy birthday. Oh, I I'd birthday. pay to see Pete sing a song for Deb. 
We have a recording uh, that we're going to be putting up. I just have to get it edited and give it a good listen. Um, at our reception, Pete and I sang, I got you, babe, together. Do you have that recorded? There, are, I have a clip of it, yes. You do? Yeah, I just haven't worked on it yet. So. Uh, you know what? I actually, um, <clears throat> I intentionally <laughs> train wreck songs. Oh, man. Because I don't ever want anybody to say, oh, well, Pete, you can really sing good freaking car karaoke. Because <laughs> I'm really, I sing really good car karaoke. I don't Karaoke's know if you know that. Karaoke's harder than it. Than a, than you know what car karaoke is, right? Yes, I yes. do. And I love it. I love yeah. when they do that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's good. Except they're all a bunch of libtards. What song did I sing? I sang, uh, oh, In the Air Tonight by Phil Collins. Yes. Remember that? Huh? You and, who was it? You and Anthony? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you I know, we, sh we should do, you want to do just a fun recording just for the hell of it. We'll screw it up. Yeah, mm -hmm. one day we will. We will. Yeah. All right, everybody, welcome uh, to uh, this morning edition of the show as we transition away from Market Ultra. It's not mm -hmm. transitioning away mm -hmm. from just top of the morning, 7 a.m. each and every day. Uh, and for two hours, we will go from 7 until 9. We're doing a modified version. Um mm -hmm. You're working uh, out all the kinks, right? Yeah, yeah. We got to get uh, we got to get our our production stuff ready to go. But uh, Deb Jordan, let's uh, let's do a quick little review because we've got some important stuff to talk about. Yeah, there's uh, a lot of on, stuff that's happening down on the border. Check yep, this the out. The border okay. is really, really, really starting to exploding. it's starting to go hot. Exploding. A little bit. Yeah. yeah. I, I should get my. Uh, I want. I want to see if I can get my my headset with my microphone. Uh, tweaked in that way you can move around a little bit more mm -hmm. uh check check this out uh we're gonna we're gonna talk there there's an exclusive you, you. here on the daily caller all right we're gonna mm -hmm. dig into this because i'm telling you something right now mitch mcconnell and chunk schumer all right have aligned a quote-unquote oh he's such oh, did a you just shady. call me deb jordan again i did I don't know. Miss Q says Deb Santilli, Pete. Deb come Santilli, on. I know. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Thirteen years, you know. I know. I know. Thirteen know. years, ladies and gentlemen, we've been doing this. Yeah. 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 Look at. There's a reason why I have a hand grenade coffee mug. Okay. Uh, mm -hmm. By the way, it says here on my coffee mug, complaint department. Please. <laughs> Please take a number. Look at his little tag here. You pulled a pen, huh? <laughs> yes. <clears throat> There's a reason why I have a hand grenade coffee mug. For those of you out there, then it's about that, beat. Our granddaughter bought that for him, by yes. the way. Yes. <laughs> uh-huh. That was funny. It was hilarious. Yeah. But um, the, really, the only reason why I did not... Uh, decide to, you know, I just didn't know if they were going to come swap to me or, you know, come get me or do what they did last time and mm -hmm. scoop me up, stick me in a box. And I just said to myself, well, you know, I mean, if it happens again, she just needs to move on and, and go marry one of the freaking retards that followed us over to the Mallier National Wildlife Refuge with three teeth, you know? Mm -hmm. I'm just kidding. Um, why not just move on? So I'm a hand grenade. So I hesitated. I didn't know what they were going to do to me. Uh, Q, 
kill me, yeah. uh, you know, scoop me up. But I'm going to say this, ladies and gentlemen, this impacts each and every one of you as well. Mm -hmm. And you're going to be hearing about this. Um, making great forward progress and movement. Big cases. Uh, but by the way, the federal government has stepped on their proverbial uh, spaghetti. Okay. <laughs> they screwed up so bad. They stepped on their they spaghetti. They got caught. We have a whistleblower. We've literally, you know, after 10 years now, have exposed them. They're going to pay like you would not believe. There's mm -hmm. two phases for me. Number one, I need to overturn because, you know, I have a, uh, a conviction of sorts. Uh, there's some complexities there uh, as to what happened with me right before trial. The, the attorneys weren't ready. You know, Clive Buddy fired Brett Whipple. Uh, <laughs> and Ammon and Ryan weren't showing up to court. It was a train wreck about a month before uh, trial. Mm -hmm. I had prepared everything. I prepared 3,000 exhibits. Ladies and gentlemen, I, didn't, I haven't talked too much about this, okay? The, the primary lead attorneys on our cases in the Nevada trial were the defendants. We were prepared. And almost not the lead attorney, Brett Whipple, didn't even look at the discovery or the exhibits or anything. And Clive and Bundy, we mm. would get together. I, I used to have to get special permission to brief the other attorneys on the discovery. He hadn't even reviewed the discovery. And Clive and Bundy fired him a month before. So here I was going into trial. Uh, we were at a hearing and I turned my attorney because uh, Brian, uh, I don't talk about this because it's not a negative thing. They were protesting. They have such strong faith. They could afford, I guess, that they had some spiritual capital to expend mm -hmm. <laughs> that they could protest and still go to trial. Uh, their faith was so strong, and they ended up winning at trial. My faith wasn't as strong. These guys weren't showing up to court. And pretty quickly, too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But my faith wasn't as strong as Clive and Bundy's and Ryan's and, and Ammon's. That's, the, that's a fact. And I said, I'm not going into trial facing four life sentences. And these guys aren't even showing up to court. So I turned to my attorney. If they don't show up to court today, I said, uh, uh, can you get me out of here? He said, yes. I said, when? He said, tomorrow. I said, really? I said, okay, if they don't show up to court, I said, I'm out. My mom was dying of cancer. Mm -hmm. Okay. And I had an opportunity and I, and I pled out to impeding what was getting in front of the convoy, which I did. But I was going to have to go to trial and explain why I got in front of the convoy. And once I did that, then the government could say, ladies and gentlemen of the jury, he just admitted he got in front of the convoy. Um, you need to convict him on that alone. And yeah, that would have come with gun charges and all that stuff. I would have been in jail for the rest of my life. He'd still be in jail. And, and they make it. They don't tell the jury how many years you're going to be convicting the person for. Mm -hmm. But I was going to go on the stand and admit I got in front of the convoy. So I said, I, I'm just not going to risk it. And and I told Clive and Bunny, I gave him a big hug. I said, if anybody can work a miracle, it could be the Bundys. Uh, but you need somebody on the outside. And I need to go see my mom. She's dying of cancer. And I, and I got out. So I have to overturn that part. Um, it, with the recent revelations, new information, that conviction is going to be overturned. They're going to have to mm -hmm. pay me per day for false incarceration. Because the operation that they ran for the purpose of provoking an armed confrontation. Mm -hmm. Okay, that's what they did.
Yeah. So the criminal side, and then we go to the tort claim, which I'm going to sue them for 800 freaking trillion dollars <laughs> once I go to the civil case. Mm. Uh, and there's already one civil case in, in motion right now, and that's what's led to all of this. So uh, I expect to uh, to proceed. Uh, now, are they going to come SWAT team? They'd look, they'd look so stupid for doing that because they owe me a trillion dollars. So I think I'm, uh, I've, I've alleged that there are a bunch of criminals and we have proven that there are a bunch of criminals and I was falsely incarcerated. Now they're going to have to pay me. Uh, I'm in a safety zone per se. It would look really dumb for saying, oh, Bill P. No, though you were good. We had to pay a trillion dollars. We just, just needed to come in and shoot you for other reasons. Mm -hmm. No, the two are related. Stay the frig away from me. Stop surveilling my wedding. All right. Can you imagine, folks? Your favorite talk show host, Pete Santilli. That's not like <laughs> President Trump. Your favorite president, <laughs> right? Me. Your your favorite talk show host, me. me. Right. <laughs> I uh, love it when he does it. It I is love it. is literally that the government fears me so much. Okay, and what I say and what I tell you. Uh, is it, that should be a, a badge of honor for all of us, isn't mm. it? Huh? Mm. They they won't come to the podium and admit it. They won't because that that would just acknowledge that you know that they fear me and and it would just draw more attention to me and what we cover and what we deliver each and every day. Uh, I will bring those bastards to their freaking knees. They're gonna have to freaking kill me. To get me to back away from saving my country, as Carrie Lake said. Mm. Right? Mm-hmm. Carrie Lake is an American hero. One tough cookie. Right. Love her. So, Ann Vansteel yesterday uh, asked Carrie Lake a question uh, on X and asked her, why now? Why didn't you do this 10 months ago? You know, and Ann wasn't being facetious. She uh -huh. was asking a serious question. She wanted to know why uh, Carrie Lake had waited so long mm. to out this guy. Um, and Carrie Lake, which answered her, and, and Carrie Lake is so good. She communicates with people and thanked her and got ratioed in, in the thread. People came in and were not so gracious about uh, and asking the question, but Carrie Lake was gracious enough to come into the threat and say, well, I did. And I, and, and Carrie Lake posted a video of her just a week after this happened and of her talking about somebody had called her and tried to bribe her, you know, somebody higher up and, but she didn't give any names. And then, um, you know, Carrie Lake went on to answer the question, it was so awesome of her. You know, it really was. And I think when I was looking at the thread, I thought, oh my goodness, man, we have gotten to the point in this country, Pete, where you cannot ask questions anymore mm. of your, of people who are running for office, of people who are in office that other people like, right? Mm. People will come and, and immediately try to obliterate you because you ask a question. Oh, if yeah. we get to that point in the United States of America where we cannot hold yeah. people 
people oh, yeah. that are running for office, and oh. we cannot hold well, people who e- are even in people office in the accountable. Ch- people in the supposed media. Look at what uh, uh, Naomi Wolf did to me. Mm. Uh, because look at what she did to me because somebody came on my show and made a statement and mm-hmm. asked a question yeah. about what she's doing behind the scenes. And sure. she launched, I mean, to have her, she's making comments on on, tw- on Twitter. When I say that she was trying to cancel me, she brought that cancel culture thing. Mm-hmm. She's like, Mike Lindell, you allow this. Can you imagine that this filthy slob, Naomi Wolf, okay, filthy slob, seriously. She's just a filthy freaking slob of an individual. For Number one, she's godless. Number two, she's just part of the same cancel culture left. You ask her a question. Uh, you question, you know, uh, her husband's um, admitted uh, connections to the top two U.S. intel agencies. Mm-hmm. And then you ask her questions about her connections to an organization that bilked donors of $500,000. And she got so upset with that, she just launched a tirade, lied online, lied, literally said that I begged her not to publish that recording. Can you imagine she said that online? That's not true. She's a filthy, and that's why I say filthy slob of a liar, all right? And she's going over there pretending to be some, like, converted. She's a godless, godless leftist, feminist, right? Hardcore feminist that was supportive of pedophile Bill Clinton. She doesn't talk about Bill Clinton. She doesn't talk about Epstein Island. Uh, but uh, imagine you ask her questions and, and the backlash you get from these leftists. Look at this. And and, and I'm saying in our own camp because uh, Steve Bannon may not know who this chick is. He still has her on, doesn't he? Oh, she does such great work. That's how it works. Mm. Okay, you have somebody that does great work, the 90%, right? She lures in all of the... Carrie Lake's not even close to that, okay? Well, I think that was my point, too. Carrie Lake's not close to that. She actually came public after the original, you know, call on the bride. She did. Uh, She did. She she had a recording. She went back and reviewed the recording. Mm -hmm. And she realized how powerful that recording was when she re-reviewed it. And I guess her daughter had listened to it too. And they were both like, wow. They didn't realize how significant that moment was with the wit. Yeah, that's what she said. I, you know, she said, you know, it was on her mind when she did, when she was at a rally and she spoke. It was on her mind that it had happened, but she had since really forgotten about about it not forgotten but kind of put it on a back shelf right and, mm-hmm. and she was thinking about it one day and she was like oh my goodness i'm gonna go back and listen to that and uh and she had something there something that's very very important but let me say this about ann vandersteel ann vandersteel is a um she is a first amendment free speech like the rest of us right uh, you, if it gets to the point where we cannot criticize or we cannot oh, ask questions my goodness. Yeah. of anyone anymore, then what good is our First Amendment? What good is it? Well, if you, if you have you. to fear, wait a minute, if you have mm. to fear that mm. you are going to get a backlash and be canceled, 
uh, because somebody doesn't like what you said about them, then we are in trouble. And that is, you know, we are inviting, uh, we're inviting leftist ideology into the camp and they hate the first, Nikki Haley is a great example of it, hates the First Amendment. Uh, Ron DeSantis, one of his big issues was the First Amendment. He literally, as a punishment for using his name in a way that he didn't like, he wanted to charge people, make them pay money to use his name. This ideology of the left is seeping in to, you know, into our, into, into our movement, and we're allowing it. Fox News was talking this morning about a viable third-party candidate. First time I've ever heard them talk about that in, in a light where they might actually be for it. Usually when somebody mentions a, a running third-party, oh, my gosh, the Republicans are up in arms. Fox, Fox News are willing to fight over that one. Yeah. Not this oh, yeah. morning. Uh, right? Well, all right, let's do this. Uh, Enter RFK uh, Jr. By the way, I'm going to get a hate mail because I'm interrupting you, but I'm no, being a fine. clock Nazi right now because we're going to need to turn the corner. <laughs> mm -hmm. Craig's laughing. <laughs> it's uh, okay. Pizza and interrupts her. I know. I got a clock to do here. <laughs> Um, listen, just a, a quick review. All right. Uh, yeah. Did you hear the top news headlines this morning? Did you hear our top news headline when you were uh, uh, prepping for the show? Yeah. This morning. Um, Trump's going after the donors. Yeah. Yeah. He warns he's going to blacklist Nikki mm -hmm. Haley campaign donors. Drew the line. Yeah. In Trump style. Um, but, but even more interesting. Okay. Mm -hmm. is, is that Reed Hoffman. Okay. The Biden supporter. He's a Joe Biden supporter. Came over, uh, billionaire, supporting Nikki Haley, right? He was supporting her. He's just pulled his support for Nikki Haley. And he was the billionaire, uh, mm -hmm. billionaire Reed Hoffman, pausing. Democrat. Yeah, Democrat, Joe Biden supporter, mm -hmm. uh, pausing. What's that? Oh, hold on a second. Let me, uh, I'll just... Are you coming back on, Craig? Craig's uh, uh, in the green room right now. Is he going to come back on? Yeah, I can come back on. You are? Okay. Uh, after the top of the hour here. But listen, uh, so, so the donors, okay, the other donors, are continuing to support Haley, but the voters are not. How does that work? How does that work? What is How the strategy it? behind that? Yeah. Why would you support Nikki Haley when she has zero, and I mean zero, she has zero chances of winning? Zero. Mm. President Trump has set all records, and it's not President Trump that's setting the records. Right. It's we the people that are saying we want President Trump, not Nikki Haley. Oh, but the uh, donors are in there. So you know what President Trump says? Oh, really? You want to, uh, you know, I'm not going to speak for him. But essentially, this is what I heard. You want to go against the will of the people? You're not going to be allowed on Team MAGA. All right? Mm -hmm. You have effective immediately. Anybody going forward still continues to support Nikki Haley in opposition to the people who have decidedly said in two campaigns. We're talking about Iowa 
and New Hampshire in double-digit leads, never before seen in any other. We're talking about the, it's the first time ever mm -hmm. that it's ever been done. We, the people, said we want Trump. We don't want Nikki Haley, but the donor is getting behind it. So President Trump says uh, you're going to have a really bad day. Well, Nikki Haley could not even win in New Hampshire when she was outwardly cheating. They, she, seventy percent of her voters were not Republicans. That's right, and okay. they thought that they were going to be able to uh, turn that around into a good light, where where they were saying, "Oh, look, the independent, the independent mm -hmm. women, the independents of this country who, uh, I mean, in New Hampshire, who who haven't uh, shown an allegiance to any party whatsoever, they want Nikki Haley." And that was a complete and total lie. It was so strategic um, in in that it was Democrats who who you know re, who registered, knew this day was coming, registered as independent, and voted for Nikki Haley, right? And it and it still didn't work, Pete. It still didn't work. And so now she's going to South Carolina, and she picks the county, of course, and. And of course, I don't blame her, but she picks the county where she's most popular in and she gets Can a big we? crowd. Oh my and God. we've started all over again, wasting money. Does this song give you the goosebumps? It does. I remember this song very, very well. I like it's a it. Pete Santilli creation. Yeah, you wrote, you wrote and performed this. Yeah, back in the day. Uh, now going on 13 years of serving Jeez. you folks right now. Uh, South Carolina primary is going to be coming up in, I think, uh, three weeks. We've got Nevada. Nevada's already... A done deal. A done deal. They already said... She's uh, not on the, the ballot in Nevada. Yeah. Um, South Carolina is a deal breaker. President Trump is leading in South Carolina, her home state, of mm -hmm. which she was a governor. And the people are repulsed by her. Mm -hmm. And she was the governor of South Carolina. There's a big question. Ladies and gentlemen, Trump stay. Made a statement about his VP. Stay right there. We'll be right back uh, right after this. Oh, we were going to be right back right after this. But guess what we got? What? Oh, big question mark now. Yeah, give me just a second. <laughs> Unbelievable. Well, while you're doing that, I can tell you guys, um, just tell me when you're ready to switch it over, Pete. Okay. There's a big, uh, Trump made a huge statement, uh, mm -hmm. and Sebastian Gorka uh, mm -hmm. came out, and, you know, he's been making these little hints about his VP. Well, Sebastian Gorka says that um, he has spoke to Trump. He has spoken to him. And? And? and he said, it is not a woman, right? Ben Carson. It is, it is a man. Ben Carson. And it's someone that nobody's talking about. Really? Mm-hmm. Anton from this old box. I don't know. So mm -hmm. it's somebody that nobody's talking about, says Sebastian Gorka. But I can Ben Carson. You. Well, everybody's talking about Ben Carson. Are they? Uh-huh. Uh, and Christy Nome. But it's not a woman. It's a man. It's somebody that nobody's talking about. Wow. And somebody who is 100% going to change the role of the vice presidency. Whoa. Whoa, 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 whoa. Nice hint. It's not going to be Rudy Giuliani. It won't be. No. It won't no. be... General I Flynn? Hmm? I don't know. Maybe. General Flynn? Who knows? It's somebody, some 
And we'll see. Okay, but let's go. We got we got to go. To add a little caveat, Roger Stone mm-hmm. came into to the thread and brazenly said the last person in the world who would know anything about the VP would be Sebastian, Sebastian Gorka. Gorka. That's he hilarious. Said, he said, please take my word for it. <laughs> oh, wow. That means a lot right there. Yeah. All I right, was, you guys, yeah. stay right there. We'll be right back right after this break. I went way over, but uh, I had a little network thingy dingy, but that's okay. Uh, here we go. Everyone say, have a great break, Deb Santelli. <laughs> Thanks. Thank you. Today, I'm Dr. Mark Miller for Bella Grace, and I'd like to have a chat with you about Bella Trim, our comprehensive weight management product. Now, most people early on will register a reduction in cravings associated with Bella Trim. How does it do that? Well, it does it by changing the levels of hormones that are associated with either hunger or satiety. It lowers the levels of ghrelin, a hunger hormone, and it raises the levels of GLP-1, the satiety hormone. As a result of that rebalancing act, you have fewer cravings. Net result, fewer trips to the snack cabinet where you may eat something that you shouldn't. It's comprehensive, it does a lot more than that, though. There is an absolutely fascinating action on a metabolic switch called AMP kinase, AMPK. AMPK is associated with the preferential burning of fat as a metabolic fuel. And as a result, you have a reduction in visceral fat and, and reduction in waist circumference. It does more than that. It also helps regulate blood glucose. Blood glucose is a huge factor in weight management. And it does that by optimizing the actions of insulin. It also affects blood lipids. It lowers LDL, lowers triglycerides, all of those bad cholesterols that you hear about, at the same time as raising the levels of HDL, the good cholesterol. In addition for cardiovascular health, it also helps normalize blood pressure. There's more to it than that, though. It also improves your microbiome. We do that by several ways. One, there's an ingredient in there that stimulates a greater diversity. And the other one is prebiotics, FOSS and GOSS, that help feed the good bacteria, gentrify your microbiome. So, Bella Trim, comprehensive. Enjoy it. Cheers. Banks are supposed to be the safest placeholders for cash in the world. But in 2022, that changed. The Federal Reserve pulled out $2.5 trillion of liquidity out of the banks. And the Fed also changed the requirements so banks don't need to keep any funds on hand. This means banks are starved for liquidity and have now become very dangerous places to hold your assets. Get out of the system with the world's safest and most private assets, silver and gold. Call Kirk Elliott, Ph.D. at 720-605-3900. Be sure to tell him Pete Santilli sent you. 
To celebrate the new year, we're having the biggest sale ever on overstock clearance and brand new products. For example, save 60% on our Goose Down comforters, the best comforters ever. They go perfectly with our MyPillow bed sheets and duvet covers. Save 25% on our brand new kitchen towels. They're made with the same technology as our famous My Towels. Our initial quantities are extremely low, so get them now before they go. Our seasonal flannel sheets are fine. Finally in, you save up to 50% and they sell out fast every year, so order now. They're truly the best flannel sheets you'll ever sleep on. Or save up to 80% on all our clearance items. And this is where it gets even better. For a limited time, your entire order ships absolutely free. So go to MyPillow.com or call the number on your screen. Use that promo code to get deep discounts on all MyPillow products. And for a limited time, your order ships absolutely free. Central Bank and other news as uh, uh, Craig, that's what he does. He's got 45 screens in front of him. He knows what's happening and he brings it to us uh, live right now from a bunker deep inside FEMA Region 9. <laughs> <laughs> Craig, what's going on? Yeah, I like that music too. Hopeful thinking, right? Summertime. So, mm -hmm. yeah. Um, so big, top of our list today was the European Central Bank, right? They kept rates at 4%. No change there. Christine Lagarde's on speaking now. She's talking that nothing's changing. She's still holding her ground. We'll see how long that lasts. We had GDP, advanced GDP, come in a little bit stronger than expected. Cordobo goods came in a little bit better than expected. Unemployment claims were a little higher, so meaning more unemployment claims mean you know more unemployment right and then we'll get natural gas inventories a little bit later but i just want to take a quick just a real quick look over here at the s p because we just hit an upside target on this so you can see we've had a big move up in the stock market right and the s p is the best way to gauge that and um we've talked about you know these halfway harmonic full upside harmonic but we just hit this big target up here right and this is a spot right so if you're let me see if i can slide that over to make sure there we go so this is a spot where if you know you're thinking if someone wants to make a shift and get out of some stocks right this is a spot right you can see this market's worked hard it's 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 worked its way up across all this harmonic structure where all those little dots have been marked it's now at a spot where it's getting a little bit on the you know potentially overvalued so this is a spot where you think well maybe i sell some stocks right on the other front let's take a look at silver real quickly right silver hit a downside harmonic this week right we've been talking about that we slide that up there so you can see it it's at 22 dollars and 14 cents an ounce if you were looking to buy some silver this is a you know a spot where you might want to think about doing that it's it's you can see it's worked its way down it's taken a while to get down there it's hit its harmonic Th these are two big objectives that have been hit you know we think that there's you know this is a spot where you want to 
start thinking, right? This spot where you want to talk to your financial advisor, give Dr. Kirk Elliott a call, that kind of a situation with the silver. And um, with that, Pete, I think that wraps it up. And I'm going to throw my thing in. I, I still think this Vivek Ramaswamy is on the table. Um, although I'm not a huge, I'm not, I'd like to interview him if we could get him on. I would love to get him on some morning because he is a business guy and now he's a political guy. I, I think he's in the running, even though I'm not, I'm not convinced yet. I'm definitely not convinced, but I'd love to interview him and find out his, some of his real background. Yeah. So that's, I, I'll mine in there. I'd like to ask him um, if he considers himself to be one of the world's uh, greatest salespeople or one of the world's greatest hucksters uh, because he sold a lot of investors extracted his wealth in the hundreds of millions of dollars and bailed. You know what he used to do? I found out that Ramaswamy and his companies would go in and find uh, all these pharmaceutical products where they didn't have, you know, I mean, it had a promising a future if there was uh, development funds, research and development funds. So he would pull these pharmaceutical products out of the dredges. He would offer the companies pennies on the dollar uh, and then pump money into it say it's got a promising future. And a couple of them, uh, like one of the Alzheimer's products, that mm -hmm. it, it just failed. I mean, he literally pumped and dumped uh, and left a whole bunch of people in a hold in the bag on a failed development of an Alzheimer's product, I think it was, right? You're correct. Yeah. I'd love to ask him all those questions, Pete. I, I Hopefully we can work hard and get him on. I, I think he would do it. I mean, I think there's a chance that he was standing on Trump's right shoulder the other day in New Hampshire. That's why I put it up there. Mm. I'd like to find out who this guy really is and ask him some questions before I could get behind him, you know, for what that's worth. Yeah. So, um, so, so let's uh, uh, thank you very much, uh, Craig. Uh, yeah, Deb Have Jordan. a great day, everyone. Yeah. Let's, uh, Deb, let's talk about... <laughs> All right, so uh, yeah, yeah. Me Deb you know, uh, oh, Deb Jordan. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's okay. I did it yesterday. It should when be I answered a, the phone. Should be like a uh, every. Uh -huh. I should do shots every time I call you. Uh, <laughs> uh -huh. We'd never make it through the show, yeah. Deb Santilli. So, it, uh, you know, what I don't think it's Vivek. I, I, I really, I don't. But I think that Vivek really has. He is going to be part of Donald Trump's team. He is going to be, uh, without a doubt, he is going to be, you know, on or in his administration. There's no doubt about that. Trump likes him. I can tell that he likes him. He thinks he's smart. And uh, and that's pretty cool. You know, uh, we'll see what happens. But there's been a lot of speculation in our chat. So. Listen, some people said General Flynn. Nobody's talking about General Flynn. Um, right. Uh, Trump said or Gorka said, let me let me make sure everybody understands. This is coming from Sebastian Gorka. Uh, and he is at least putting up the pretense that he is an insider and he knows who it is. So he said that uh, it will be someone, a man, not a woman. It will be someone who will take on a completely different role than we've ever seen and we've ever seen a vice president take on um, more up front and center and uh, somebody who can who will be an actual leader right mm. so um, and it's going to be a man so 
and it's going to be someone that nobody's talking about. Uh, General Flynn would fit that bill, I think, uh, to a certain degree, right? I, I don't think that's completely out there uh, crazy uh, suggestion. Uh, there have been a lot of people, and I see this in the chat room, who is very popular, and that is Clay Higgins. Clay Higgins, uh, a natural-born leader, someone who... I think Trump needs a vice president that is going to be tough, right? Clay Higgins would be my pick. Yeah, I mean, I love uh, Clay Higgins. General Flynn would be my second pick. A lot of people are also um, saying, look, you know, Cash Patel would be their choice. Cash, Cash Patel. If, if uh, he's telling, uh, if Sebastian well, Gorka the, is is telling it like it really is and it's not a woman that kind of makes me really happy I, i'm glad it's not going to be a woman is that terrible uh, right. because if if you were saying it's going to be a woman and somebody nobody's suspecting and blah blah, blah it takes tulsi gabbard off the table and that i am very pleased about it takes marjorie taylor green off the table which i'm very happy about that too right uh, it takes all of these because a lot of people are out there pushing Tulsi Gabbard. And I got news for everybody. If Tulsi Gabbard is going to be anyone's pick, it would be RFK Jr.'s pick uh, for a running mate. You, you, you have to have a complete uh, socialist run with or a Marxist socialist to run with you because that's who you are. Right somebody who more aligns with your ideas so i'm glad that if it's true i'm glad it's not going to be a woman because that would be absolutely oh my gosh can you imagine pete Tulsi mm -hmm. gabbard is vice president and they were throwing her name around quite a bit a few months ago and i'm like what has happened to the conservatives in this country maga is not we donald trump made a, a promise that a socialist would never run the United States of America. Somebody like RFK Jr., somebody like Tulsi Gabbard, and, and all of that ilk is one heartbeat away from becoming the president of the United States. And she is a socialist, whatever that means mm -hmm. these days, right? She's a progressive. Yeah. And so is RFK Jr. So yeah. it, neither one of them should ever ever be chosen as vice president ever uh, i ever. uh before i get to our um our january 6th uh guest daniel goodwin all right oh can you imagine 40 seconds he spent in, a, in the rotunda he walked in by the way an open door had no idea anything was going on as far as you know the tear gassing and all that stuff. He was on a, in a completely different area. Mm -hmm. 40 seconds walking in. The mm -hmm. DOJ and FBI destroyed his life. He walked in. Somebody told him, you got to get out. He walked out. 40 seconds he was in. Uh, they went after him, destroyed his life. Um, and he's now part of the StopHate.com team that helped put together the January 6th timeline. Right. All right? That before we get to that, I want to um, share with you uh, an update on Master Sergeant, former Special Forces Master Sergeant in the U.S. Army, uh, 
Jeremy Brown. Here it is. In December of 2020, federal agents Lindsay and Ura approached Mr. Jeremy Brown at his home and asked him if he would be a paid informant for the government. They asked him to infiltrate some groups they were looking at involving concerns they had about an event in January. Mr. Brown recorded this conversation, and instead of working for the government on January 6th, he went on as many media outlets that would have him, starting in March of 2021, and played the recording. He named the agents and exposed what they wanted him to do. So, it's no big deal. We decided to come out. We I've worked with JTTF before. It's okay. um, not in the future. So, see, there you have it. Well, you might in the future. So we don't care which way you lean. Right. We just want to make sure that you're not targeting anybody and nobody's going to get hurt over the outcome in January. We love to hear from you. And again, I'm not, I can't make any promises, but like you provide information and prevent something big. Government pays for that. We think that we can help you. You can help us, and you can definitely on this side of things less aggravation. You're one of 19 people that we're going to knock on the door and say they're not home or they are home. One of 19 people, these two guys, not, not, the, not the 58 other agents that he's about to explain that there's 60 of them in Tampa, but just, I'm just one of 19. As a result of his righteous actions, the government had him arrested after an illegal search of his home on September of 2021. And after nearly two and a half years in federal prison, Jeremy has filed for an appeal. Jeremy's legal team is presenting forensic evidence that show the unregistered explosive grenades and the national defense documents that Jeremy was said to have illegally been in possession of were planted in his home by government agents during an illegal search. The first thing the agents did when they entered Mr. Brown's home for their search was turn off all 14 recording devices. And none of these agents had any functioning body cameras. The only person recording was Jeremy's girlfriend, who recorded the arrest by Agent Lindsay and Ura, who instructed her to stop recording, which she did. They were very deliberate in making sure nothing was recorded during their search. During this search, they allegedly found two explosive grenades and a CD containing national defense documents. Items that Mr. Brown denied knowing anything about. The grenades were tested for DNA, and the FBI's own experts found two male specimen DNAs on the grenades, none of which were from Jeremy Brown. They found a dog hair underneath one of the grenades. Mr. Brown has two dogs, so the FBI got a search warrant, took over 50 samples from his dogs, and determined that the hair on the grenade was not from his dogs. They found a carpet fiber on the tape around one of the grenades. So they get another search warrant, cut out pieces of Jeremy's carpet, and compare the fibers to the one that was found with the grenade. And they determine it was not a match. Criminal counts 6, 7, 8, and 9 were allegedly found on a compact disc that they claim Mr. Brown carried with him through the deserts of Kuwait and Afghanistan for 17 years. And yet, there isn't a scratch or a hint of discoloration on it. In August of 2022, there was a trace done on that CD to see when it was uploaded. 
And the evidence shows that Mr. Brown did not have the CD or the two grenades in his possession. They were planted by crooked agents working for a criminal state that has locked up and tortured scores of innocent men and women for a planned false flag event that they orchestrated with so many federal assets that they lost count. This criminal state is now threatening to go after everyone who was in Washington, D.C. on January 6th, no matter if they were in the Capitol or on Capitol grounds. While we are still somewhat free, let us support Jeremy Brown in his legal efforts so that he can free himself and continue to fight for American freedom. Greg Reese reporting. Banks are supposed to be the safest placeholders for cash in the world. But in 2022, that changed. The Federal Reserve pulled out $2.5 trillion of liquidity out of the banks. And the Fed also changed the requirements so banks don't need to keep any funds on hand. This means banks are starved for liquidity and have now become very dangerous places to hold your assets. Get out of the system with the world's safest and most private assets, silver and gold. Call Kirk Elliott, Ph.D. at 720-605-3900. Be sure to tell him Pete Santilli sent you. Now, you spent 40 seconds inside the Capitol, correct? Less than that, yeah. Why Why 40 seconds? Just went I, in, I walked looked in around and the police and... officer said to leave, so I left. <laughs> okay. And you never had a chance to tell that story, nor would you. And I would say this. I mean, I to, did. To, to go to a jury, I mean, I say, and you didn't get a chance to say that in front right. of a jury. I, I would right. not risk that. I'm really glad that you were smart enough to say it's just not worth it. It's not because the system totally operates in their favor, which is disgusting. Ladies and gentlemen, um, uh, this conversation has been a long time uh, coming. There, there was a period of time uh, where Daniel Goodwin, uh, my next guest, he's the January 6th defendant. Uh, he couldn't talk to uh, people in the media because he was um, his case was proceeding. Um, I just had a conversation with, um, with Dave Summerall from Stop Hate. And there's been great work that his team has been doing. And Daniel Goodwin is part of that team that's putting out, doing great work and putting out great information, the truth about what happened on January 6th. Uh, but Daniel Goodwin is a fundamentalist, radical Christian conservative, uh, far right uh, activist. And he got to start from prayer and evangelism ministry uh, to being part of a pro-life movement. Uh, then a free speech advocate, um, Stop the Steal, January 6th, and now working on getting the truth out about January 6th uh, to try to help free the hostages. Um, uh, he is on uh, Dave Summerall, StopHate.com uh, team, uh, and he spent a year in pre-trial house arrest. He was facing 20-plus years um, on that you know, of course, that overcharged, bogus felony obstruction charge. And he just finished serving 
a two-month prison sentence late August for spending under 40 seconds in the Capitol after walking through an open door past police who were just standing there on January 6th. Uh, he was on the team who produced J6, the true timeline. Epic, epic timeline. We played that on this show. He was on the team um, uh, that, uh, that produced that. Uh, of course, that video is being censored. Um, especially after it hit about 2 million views. Daniel Goodwin, uh, welcome. Uh, lots to talk about, but I want to encapsulate what you have been through. Um, first of all, let me, let me go back. Were you shocked after January 6th that you were identified as some sort of a really bad insurrectionist and you were, uh, you had an indictment come down upon you? Were you shocked by that? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, uh, I walked in through an open door and I was on video. I went and said my full name first and last with my face shot because I didn't think I was doing anything wrong. So when I got calls from mainstream media people or from the FBI, I was like uh, pretty surprised. But when they came and raided the house, that was also surprising because we had arranged uh, for me to be able to turn myself in and self-surrender uh, between my lawyer talking with the FBI. Um, at least that's what he tells me. and. Then they uh, do a pre-dawn, you know, Roger Stone-style raid with the FBI Counterterrorism Task Force led by the FBI. And they got their medieval-style battering ram. They're pointing the guns at us with the lasers and yelling and all that. So, yeah, that was pretty traumatizing in that, you know, obviously they're treating me like a terrorist if they're using a counterterrorism task force. Yeah, yeah, they're treating uh, half of America that way, which, you know, it's anchored on the January 6th defendants, which, by the way, I'm sure you already know this. The reason why they do the terror designation is so that they can surveil people. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, it, that gives them, it's kind of like the FISA court. You know, if you're yeah. identified as a foreign national, you know, then they can, uh, they can uh, actually listen to all of your conversations many different ways that they can surveil you and three, you know, or four hops out as they call it, people that know you. So that's that's yeah. a that's a trick well, that we all know about, of course. Here's something I think they did because uh, in the criminal complaint against me, they said I'm a self-proclaimed proud boy, which I'm not. Now Canada, which uh, people will know is a part of Five Eyes, actually designates proud boys as terrorists. They already had before January 6th. So I think that was another uh, trick because they can have Canada do all the surveillance for them and then they can just collect it outside that. And then, oh, well, it wasn't us. It was them, you know. So I think there's a lot of different layers there between yeah. the NSA collecting all the data from every big tech company and passing it on to 16 other intelligence agencies in the United States. Mm. And yeah, uh, also yeah. just the very fact that they did the raid because we had arranged for them. And I think the reason they did the raid beyond just the intimidation factor was because they wanted to confiscate my devices. Now, when I say devices, I have, I was also living in San Francisco at the time. I was just visiting my parents here in Texas. So they raided both places and they confiscated everything from both. So I had multiple computers, multiple phones at both places and they just, they took everything. So I finally got them back a couple months ago after all the, uh, I guess you could say litigation after all of it was through. Oh, you're lucky. Not not everyone is is that lucky. I'm sure that you had to go through a yeah. long, drawn out process to get your stuff back. 
it took a lot of work. It was very, very difficult to get. I think I got it back in stages. You know, and that includes also uh, the MAGA hat I happened to be wearing that day, which had an I voted sticker on it. They had to make sure and confiscate that. Too. Of course. And some protest signs, you know, against the tech censorship. Now, you faced 20 years in prison. Uh, they arrested you. They indicted you. Uh, they, of course, take you into custody, arraign you, do all that stuff. And then you were released. Uh, you were in, uh, basically confined to your home with an ankle monitor. Is that correct? Yeah. So when I was in jail, they actually had me on four misdemeanors and they added that fifth charge, which was the felony 20 year charge, the one, the same one that Trump has that a lot of that Oath Keepers and Proud Boys had and a lot of, a lot of other people. Some people have even pled guilty to it was completely bogus. You know, it's a uh, Enron era paper shredding law, really. So, yeah, so uh, I was under house arrest for about a year. I had the ankle monitor. Now, it doesn't have GPS on it. It is a device they have you install in your house and you just know if you're so far away from it. So uh, I was able to go to church on Sundays, but I couldn't stay a minute later. Uh, if there was a potluck afterwards, too bad, go back home. And if I wanted, if my car was out of gas, well, someone else would have to go fill it up for me. So I have to go straight to church and then straight back home. I have to fill out all this paperwork before and after. Uh, they said I could take out the trash if I want, but I couldn't mow the lawn. Why couldn't you mow the lawn? Well, I'd be too far away from that device for too long and it would set it off. <laughs> oh my God. It's crazy. Um, they said like, I don't smoke, but they said if I did, if I wanted to take a 15 minute smoke break, that would, that would set it off. So I couldn't do that. You know, and they, the normal things, you can't put it under water. Um, like you could have it in a shower, but not in a bath, that kind of thing. Okay. The, okay. <laughs> These people are, are, are insane. And most of them are disconnected from reality and the truth. They're just quote unquote doing their job, you know, right. And they have their profile, you know, per their narrative. But, uh, so sir, um, did, did you end up going to trial to plead out? How did things work out uh, with your case? Yeah. Well, I don't know uh, if the, if that excuse worked at Nuremberg, but one of the guys, I actually think I did find his Twitter account. He does seem like a pretty raging uh, lib. Uh, anyways, I don't know if I'm, uh, anyway, I'll, I'll avoid that topic, but yeah. So I was asked to plead to the 1512 uh, felony obstruction charge. And I told them no, because obviously that's good. That would ruin my life. That's bogus. Uh, and I, I don't think I would have been in there for under four years, you know, but it could be all the way up to 20. Uh, so then I came back and they said, well, could you plead to one of these misdemeanors? And so there was four of those and they're basically all the same thing, but basically trespassing. So I did plead to one of those. And, but what goes along with that is they give you the statement of offense you have to sign and they write it and I'm looking and reading. And I'm like, this is not true facts. So I can't like, I'm going to have to go to trial. I told them like, unless you change this to make it accurate, which means specifically add this, remove this, change that. Fortunately, they actually went through with that. So I was able to do that. And, you know, I don't like to have to make them have to prove in court why they think I'm guilty rather than having to plead to it. But to face that 20 year uh, felony really is not worth it because it's not that I think there's any chance that I would be found guilty of that in a reasonable court of law, but it's a kangaroo court in DC with the rigged system of especially the dc juries that are so biased they're like 99 percent democrat and one percent rhino never trumper so they think they're getting uh you know a notch on the side of their uh what do you call that fighter jets you know for getting their revenge on trump they get any j6 are convicted and then obviously these sentences are way over the charges and everything is way overboard
So, uh, so once she accepted the plea, uh, then they uh, basically did they take you into custody? Did you have to spend any time in jail? Yeah, so I was in jail pre-trial for three weeks, but it was a two-month sentence. So I got that time served, and then I finished out the two months at a low-security prison in Bastrop, Texas, near Austin. Near Austin. Uh, and how many days total did you stay in there? Uh, well, I guess what's 60 minus 21? I'm not great at arithmetic, but I think No, that's a, to... about 40 days, right? Yeah. Yeah, 39, 40 days. Uh, 40 days is forever. One day is forever. Uh, for most innocent people, I say uh, every J6 defendant uh, is a political prisoner. I mean, e listen, even if you broke a window, okay, uh, to go to jail for even vandalism, um, especially being held pretrial is absolutely rid ridiculous, but uh, I digress. All right. So your work. $3,000 as a part of the sentence, too. What? How much? 3000 Why? Well, if you want to hear the long story, uh, they actually copied and pasted the amount from the fundraiser that we had, and that was around twenty-five thousand. And but they knew I didn't have any money, so they took that fine down to two thousand five hundred, and then five hundred dollars restitution goes to the AOC, the architect of the Capitol, uh, even though they acknowledged that I did not damage anything. So you did a fundraiser, okay. and they and they took a portion of that. Yeah, well, they wanted to take the full amount, but the judge even did too. But he didn't. Uh, he he recognized that I didn't have the money to pay for it. What in, what entitles them to taking your fundraising, uh, do, your donations for your legal defense? Correct. It, well, that is what it's for. But what, the way they phrase it, the prosecution says he's profiting off his crime. Well, I don't know how it's profiting since I had a hundred thousand dollars in legal fees and I only raised around twenty five thousand. Absolute insanity. So I never knew that. Profiting by negative 75 or whatever it comes out to be. I did get a, a small refund when I uh, ended up not going to trial. That was like 13000 or something. So, I don't, again, I'm not great with the arithmetic, but I'm definitely in the red on that. I don't know why they all these news, mainstream media news articles, you know, hit pieces out there too, like J6ers profiting off their crime. It's like, yeah, that's not how profit works, but okay. Unbelievable. Um, you're. Uh... Of course, you couldn't really advocate as you were going through the process uh, because, you know, it would come down probably even harder on you. So you refrained from doing interviews, correct? Yeah, I did one interview and the judge was not happy about it. Uh, it was Tucker Carlson. I did a five minute segment where he showed my footage just like he did with the Q Shaman uh, or America Shaman Jake Chansley and Jelly. Mm -hmm. And uh, the judge was saying like, uh, you know, you went on there and you left out the fact that you were talking on a megaphone. It's like, um, I mean, I didn't say this to him, but I'm thinking like, your honor, there's a, a guy on the show and he's the one in charge, not me. I mean, I'm taking it where he's telling me to go. I'm not like hiding the fact, you know, after I got sentenced, I went and posted all the, the footage. I'm not hiding anything. I'm not ashamed of anything I did that day. It's all out there for anyone to see. Um, I was on a, me a megaphone that wasn't even mine. Someone uh, had one and I asked if I could talk on it and I was telling people the doors open, go inside. Well, why not? You know, I had just gone uh, inside the Georgia Capitol during Stop the Steal with uh, Ali Alexander and Alex Jones. So, I mean, I didn't feel like that was like some big illegal thing. I thought this is just how you protest and do Stop the Steal stuff, you know? I was saying we need a critical mass for this to work. Like, 
we need a lot of people for the photo op basically you know we had a picture with uh representative vernon jones in georgia you know uh Knowing now what we know, considering, you know, what, what happened then. Uh, back then, I, I went there. I went to D.C. Um, I didn't I didn't go uh, into the Capitol or anything like that. My, my story is a little bit different. I don't know if you know my story, but I've already yeah, had my, my, my run-ins with them. So um, I just stayed away uh, altogether. But even still, we suspected that, uh, that voter fraud took place. There was pretty good circumstantial evidence, but uh, I went Still there is. because I went there because uh, I believe that by asking Congress to just intervene and just push the pause button and do an investigation, that's why I was there. And I'll tell you what, I met a lot of other people that were there for that same exact reason. That whole thing that took place with the tear gas and, and the agitation in the crowd, that's on them. Uh, there were people that were pretty emotionally charged. They didn't like women getting hit with concussion grenades and, you know, and tear gas and stuff. They got a little bit out of hand and in crowd control circles, that's what you're not supposed to do to an emotionally charged crowd. So they they got exactly, I think, what they were looking for by agitating the crowd. Uh, but ultimately, uh, I went there to hopefully just be present and if they said, Let's push the pause button and investigate. Why did Why did you decide to go there? What you think? What was What did you, What did you think was going to happen originally? Well, Trump put out a tweet saying, "You know, come to this January sixth thing. It's going to be wild." So I was like, "All right." President said to come. I'm going to come. Why would you think doing what the sitting president says to do is actually doing something illegal? That's ridiculous. But anyways, Ted Cruz, Paul Gosar, they had already basically announced that they had a coalition of people who were going to object to things. So it wasn't a big surprise. And they did. Those two did object to things, but they just didn't follow through with it because of all the commotion that happened. But really, I didn't experience any of the commotion where I was, when I was. I got to the building at 333. The door was open. There were police standing around. I meandered in. I meandered out. And it was just like uh like a trump rally type of a vibe there wasn't smoke bombs bombs flashbangs bullets rubber bullets uh people being beaten with batons all that stuff was happening at a different place at a different time so i didn't even know until afterwards now going through all the footage and, and studying it obviously uh i've seen so much police brutality it's ridiculous and if people don't know about that then i mean they yeah. watched probably the, the timeline movie that's the best rundown of it but even that doesn't really highlight yeah. everything as much as possible like you you barely would notice that victoria white was beaten the way she was just by watching that documentary you kind of got to supplement with other things like watch that piece by lara logan she put out recently yeah that's exactly right now you spent 40 seconds inside the capitol correct less than that yeah why why 40 seconds just went uh, in i walked in around the police and... officer said to leave <laughs> so i left <laughs> okay and you never had a chance to tell that story, nor would you. And I would say this. I mean, I to, did. To, to go to a jury. I mean, I say, and you didn't get a chance to say that in front right. of a jury. I, I would right. not risk that. I'm really glad that you were smart enough to say it's just not worth it. It's not because the system totally operates in their favor, which is disgusting. All right. Now let's uh, let's let's switch gears. Um, you haven't backed away from helping uh, tell the truth to the American public. You've seen 
Uh, did you have access to all your discovery before you pled out? Did your attorney get you all the discovery that you needed? Sort of. So I had anything that they knew about of me. Um, and then there's what they call the global discovery, which is everything about J6. Um, my attorney had access to that. And then David Summerall had access to that as an investigator. And then me as his employee, I had access to it uh, while being supervised by him. So I kind of could look around. But just, you know, everything's like a needle in a haystack. So, I mean, there's still moments of that day where I'd love to see the video footage and track down what I was doing at that particular moment from that angle or whatever. Uh, but, you know, I, I've got all the, the key moments. One thing that was very interesting is they gave me uh, some footage from my phone, like, you know, different pictures or video or whatever uh, into my discovery, but not everything. And when I finally got my phone back, I found a picture of me that I had remembered taking. I was wondering why I couldn't find it. And it was a picture of me leaning against one of the uh, police motorcycles on the on the uh, terrace there. Hmm. And what was it exculpatory? Was I mean, or, or, or did it? I, uh... No, it's not. I mean, it, it's just, a you know, just a, a fun little picture. But I, I posted it afterwards. I finally got my phone back. So, hmm. you know, again, just to show I'm not ashamed of anything I did. I'm not hiding anything I did. Right. I didn't do anything wrong, you know. Right. But what I didn't know, and this is I explained to the judge in my, uh, you know, statement or whatever, when I was sent sentencing hearing, uh, I didn't realize that when you go through a door in a federal building, you should you should know that you're going to go through a door that has metal detectors. That's the official way to do it. So when I went through this door with no metal detectors, you know, that was my big mistake. I didn't realize. I know now, so I'll, I'll be careful from now on. I'm not going to reoffend if I go to a federal building, I'm going to make sure the door I'm entering in has metal detectors, regardless of whether or not police are standing around, not stopping people from going through that door. So I learned my lesson. Oh boy. Yeah. The good, the government good has taught citizen. you, taught you a lesson. Yes. You're a good citizen. This, this entire thing is a fake, a fraud, a lie, a hoax. You've seen all the discovery you were involved in piecing together. Now let's segue to uh, the timeline. I, I've played the entire thing on the show afterwards um and i want at open.ink right open.ink open.inc you can you have to go see this if you have not already seen it ladies and gentlemen we're going to provide the link down below it's very upsetting it's the truth about what happened on january 6th nothing close to what anyone uh has presented in open court uh, a, a narrative that's been propagated by the DOJ, the FBI, even the, I would say, would you say that the rank and file people over at the FBI has, have even been misled about all the truth that have been compartmentalized? Yeah, I would say that for sure. The people that busted your door down, do you think they had all the information about what happened on January 6th? Absolutely not. Uh, they, they, they may have realized that I'm just some, you know, normal guy and that I'm not a, you know, an insurrectionist, but um, they probably don't realize what actually happened that day. They think probably, they, they probably have seen the, the clips of people fighting with cops and they don't know why that started. And they and that's the thing too, the prosecutors try to paint it like I was with a mob. Well, there may have been a mob at one place at one time, y'all started it, but that's beside the point. I wasn't near a mob, I wasn't in a mob, I wasn't part of a mob. So if there's a million people and like a hundred people get into a fight, what does that have to do with me? Like nothing, you know? Yeah. And uh, uh, that that mob and there and there were a million people there 
and a very small uh, group of them were up front getting pummeled by uh, by tear ga gas, uh, concussion grenades, just uh, non-lethal yeah, projectiles. They were literally right. shooting into the crowd. People don't realize that. That's what started everything at 107 oh, yeah. when they shot Josh Matthew Black in the face. And he's in prison right now. Not the person who shot him, the guy who got shot. He's the one in prison right now. Is he in prison? The guy that got shot in the cheek? Yep. How long is he sentenced to? Uh, I don't have that memorized, but it's it's public information. I can pull it up. Yeah, no, but but it's uh, a, a length of time. Uh, yeah. Wow. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine that? Mm -mm -mm. Sir, based on your observation of all the detailed footage, footage, um, those that were confronting police officers, and, and I believe justifiably so, I mean, there were individuals that were using sticks or whatever they needed to do to get these cops to back off of trampling Roseanne Boyland, where they were issuing. I mean, that's my assessment. I haven't looked at, you know, every single frame like you have. You have. Uh, is that a correct assessment that those guys that were pushing back the police would stop at nothing to protect, you know, that area that Roseanne Boyland, she'd already been trampled. They were doing CPR on her, right? Yeah, that, that is my assessment. I think it's possible there were maybe a few people who were just fighting because they wanted to fight or agitating because they wanted to agitate. Um, the only one I could think of a name, or maybe two, uh, I would say, well, I can think of a few. I would say, um, obviously, the main one would be Landon Kenneth Copeland, who after was sentenced, admitted to being Antifa. Uh, so he, he looked like he was just starting trouble to start trouble. He was at the front line right after Josh got shot. He shoved a guy into the police line. And that's a lot more clearly shown if you watch the other five-minute documentary we put out right before uh, the true timeline, which is called 1,000 Days of Terror, 1,000daysofterror.com. Uh, then you've got um, J John Sullivan, Jaden X. Everyone knows about him. They're like, that's proof there was Antifa there that day. Okay, so... There's two guys, they're both uh, Antifa, even though they would probably both say it's more of an idea than a group. And uh, Jaden X or John Sullivan is actually an anti-Trump guy. The other one's actually pro-Trump. Uh, people don't really uh, like to admit those type of nuance do exist inside Antifa. But uh, the guy who, uh, Jaden X, he, he broke a window. So, you know, he also was saying, let's burn it down and all that stuff. So he was kind of agitating in that sense uh, and also running around with a knife saying, hey, I've got a knife. Then there's uh, Zachary Alam actually uh, took a police helmet and bashed through the window before Ashley Babbitt jumped through it. I think she, she, punched, it. she, she punched him, by, right? She, not, she punched him. She did punch him, yeah. So it seems like she was trying to stop him and maybe even go on the other side to stop people from going through. But it's all speculation. We couldn't ask her because they shot her to death. Yes. But uh, the other one uh, is Red on Red. We still don't know who this guy is. Red on Red glasses. That's his hashtag. The f he was fighting with these reporters on the way, like from the ellipse to the Capitol. When he gets there, he's the first one to throw uh, a two by four to break that window on the west side. The first window broken on the west side. And that was the one that famously Dominic Pozzola, Proud Boy, who had just joined the Proud Boys a month or two before, bashed through that window with a police shield, which he had picked up actually because the police were shooting into the crowd and it was on the ground and he was using it to, you know, he's think, 
military guy. He's like, I don't want to get shot, so I'll use this to defend myself. But anyways, uh, yeah, so the first guy to break through that first window, he's the one who lifts and pushes Ashley Babbitt through uh, that window. So that guy's at a lot of places, uh, a lot of key moments and flashpoints, and even more than I mentioned there, and we still don't know his name. So to me, he seems like an agitator. Now, is he a paid operative? I don't know. But uh, that that's the questions that I'd love to get answered to, because we know there were obviously uh undercover fbi there there were undercover uh atf maybe not undercover atf but there was undercover uh metro police there was undercover cop capital police and and the the metro police undercover they actually were kind of agitating the guy was like saying move forward and saying someone's going to get shot and he was right behind ashley babbitt so that's that's pretty interesting um, but yeah, there were a lot of people there that were undercover, a lot of secret agents and, you know, there were Antifa. Now, was Antifa working with the feds? What were the Antifa feds themselves? Mm. Like, these are all just questions and speculation. We really don't have a smoking gun on, on anything like that. Uh, except for, like I said, that Metro one who was saying to go forward. And, uh, there, there was one other, uh, well, I'll, yeah, go on. I, mean, I, I could talk a, a lot about that stuff. Yeah, people need to you go know, to stop slash J6 and click on secret agents. We got a full list over there. Yeah, great. Uh, have you taken a look at the footage where the white buses delivered large groups of people? The one that uh, uh, now, if you're if you're talking about the ones uh, that that had come out around the time you know a long time ago that we included in uh, some of our stuff. Those actually, a lot of people, what they were going by where people were saying, that's Antifa in those things. But they were just, that was the crowd just speculating because they had just seen that type of thing happening in Minnesota previously. Mm. Uh, and so there's that one clip from Minnesota that circulates and people say it's on January 6th, but it's not. But there, there were buses on January 6th or vans or whatever. And what it ended up them actually being full of was the reinforcements for the Metro PD. So, you know, they're, they're in black block and they were coming to attack us, Trump supporters, but uh, that wasn't Antifa. Mm. So the reinforcements you're referring to, they were in civilian clothes? No, no, no. They were in full. Uh, oh, they were in full, tactical gear. Blacks. Yeah. SWAT team gear. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Um, all right. The, there is also, did you, have you seen any of the evidence regarded, regarding facial recognition? Because from what I understand, there's FBI whistleblowers that saw that the initial breach, the majority of the people at that front line breached the first one with Ryan Samsell when he turns his hat backwards, that the majority of the peop people at that front line were facially recognized as being friendlies. Uh, or feds, are you aware of any of that? Were you able to see that? I saw reports of that early on that were retracted. So um, yeah, I don't think that's true, but there, I have looked at a lot of the people's names and faces in the front and they, a lot of them have been identified. They're just, most of them are just other Trump supporters. Okay. Now, Ryan Samsell, I can't really speak to him. I mean, I can speak to him. I can't speak to whether or not he is a good guy or a bad guy. He's, he seems genuine, but people here, conflicting things from what he says so it, it's hard to say um and there's also people talk about his criminal past but he says that that stuff was stuff that was already kind of resolved and it wasn't really what it sounded like so mm -hmm. you, you don't really know who to believe with those types of things no he could it's... be a good guy or he could be who knows but if people are just saying like well he was the first one to break through the gate well yeah 
Reyes did just tell him to, or maybe not. We don't know what he whispered either. Or it wasn't really whispered. I mean, they say, oh, well, uh, he had his hat backwards and Antifa was putting their hats backwards. Yeah, but anyone could just put their hat backwards. So that's not really proof he's Antifa. Mm -hmm. uh, another thing that was suspicious to us originally was just that he was right next to someone who was Antifa. And this, uh, I don't know if you'd call it Antifa press or whatever, this Portland, I don't want to misgender, but I think it's a, a, a she, uh, you know, you never know what the Portland Antifa, but she, you know, was recognized by Taylor Hansen. He said, hey, I recognize you from Portland. You're Antifa. And she nods on camera like, yes, that's me you're recognizing. Um, when she when he did that, Ryan Samsel happened to be standing right next to her and looked in the camera and kind of made a face. Now, again, that's just interpreting. Who knows? Mm -hmm. But he was arrested the same day in the same district as Zachary Alam. And he was there at the death of Ashley Babbitt, like I described. So, you know, uh, that guy, uh, apparently two different separate sources in the Gulag said that he admitted to them that he is Antifa. But then I heard another report from another person in the Gulag saying he says he's not. So I don't know. Was he lying the first time? Was he lying the second time? Or were the people saying he was Antifa the ones who were lying? Who knows? It, it's just hard to, to get to the bottom of these types of things. All right. Let me, let me ask you something. You've seen a lot of footage. Uh, you put out a lot of uh, material. What can you share with the public right now? There's a couple things that are, are key moments, uh, things that people aren't generally aware of on top of everything. Your your team, uh, with, uh, led by Dave Summerall, his, you know, stophate.com. Uh, what are we not aware of that may be coming out or that you're researching? um i don't know we we generally just put things out as soon as we find out so there's not a lot of hidden but a lot of our stuff is you know shadow banned or censored so people don't realize they don't even know where to find it or whatever uh, but i don't know people could be paying attention right now to the luke coffee trial he's the guy who was holding the crutch uh at the entrance he um there's a he was featured in the uh epic times one of their one or two of their documentaries but articles too and he actually felt called by God to go and stand in the gap. That's the words that he heard from God. So he went in there and he was actually, as far as I'm concerned, it's possible he could have saved people's lives just by doing that because he was standing between the, the deadly police and the crowd. And he was right next to Roseanne when she died. I don't know if, if he realized at the time that she was dying right next to him, uh, but he was obviously seeing the violence and trying to stand in the gap. Really godly man. And, you know, I met him, uh, obviously after January 6th, but um, yeah, we're, we're, we're praying for a good outcome in that trial. He had, uh, he, Lila Morris, the one who killed Ashley Babbitt was actually um, supposedly assaulted by him. So he uh, and his lawyer had her testify and she said, no, he never touched me. So uh, it's a bench trial. So it's just the judge and we're praying that he makes the right decision because the evidence is pretty obvious but it's an Obama-appointed judge, and obviously these courts have been stacked against us. Nobody has really gotten acquitted except for bench trials, so there were two acquittals. I don't know how many trials there have been, probably over 50 so far, and that's uh, like 1,200 defendants. It's probably over 600 plea agreements that have happened already. Mm. But yeah, uh, people can keep up with our social media, stophate.com uh, slash follow us, or um, go to stophate.com slash j6. We've got our calls to action. People can go join the prayer group, find all the fundraisers, find out how to write letters through the Patriot Mail Project, uh, which I think you're a part of that story in a sense, right? 
Yeah, I was one of the first recipients as a political prisoner. It actually kept my, you know, my spirits high and I didn't, we didn't have access to the internet. I used to get sometimes hundreds of letters every single day. I mean, it really, really, really makes it makes the difference. And I appreciate you, you know, advocating for the Patriot Mail Project. But Paula Calloway started it with with our group. It didn't exist prior to that. And it's one of the most important elements. Secondly, supporting these family members. These guys inside, they have zero incentive to take a stand constitutionally and you know, they're, I mean, they, you know, I wish they could just get the hell out, but, and they, and they certainly will, even those that have been sentenced, I believe that President Trump is going to pardon everybody um, sure as soon as he gets in. That's important. But uh, Patriot Mail Project is really, really important. Now, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to put that link down below in this episode. I want you to click on it. Just remember receiving a letter. Uh, I mean, we're their, their family. They're probably their closest you know, a lot of people have lost family members that, you know, are on, uh, they're just sucking up all of the, the, the lies that the, you know, the, the narrative that's been put out there. Um, those of us that know the truth, reach out to them, send them a letter, you know, handwritten letters mean everything. Um, all right, sir. Um, do you, here's my, my last question to you. Um, do you have any regrets? No. I say this, and I, I, it, it's not, I mean, it, this is a hypothetical. It's, it's, it, it's not going to happen, okay? Um, but if I knew then what I know now, I wouldn't have brought girls. And I would have brought a whole bunch of friends with me to, you know, if we needed. And it's not even an insurrection because the government that was in place, uh, I would want to protect. And that was President Donald J. Trump's presidency. And... That right. was per the will of the people. You know, we're not anti-government. We wanted to protect, you know, the government that was being, you know, stolen uh, from us through this, uh, through this, through this effort. But if I knew then what I know now, it would have been completely different. I would have been a lot, you know, a lot less, uh, let's say, peaceful. We would have taken a stronger stand is what I would say. I, well, I would have, I would have felt more comfortable taking a, a much more solid stand. And we actually did. Then I just went there to see what would happen, whether or not they'd push the pause button. But yeah, I, think I mean, if it's a time travel question, then to me, it's like, I guess it kind of depends on the rules. So if I know what I know now and I'm going back, would I do it again? I mean, what would I do differently? Probably what I do differently is it's not like it's not like I wouldn't go because I didn't I didn't do anything wrong. Right. And uh, but it's more like I would probably try to warn Trump that the whole thing's a setup and, mm -hmm. you know, It'd be great. It'd be great if we could have him give clear instructions of what to do and not to do. Like, yeah. Hey, there's going to be an area where they don't want you to walk. Like, let's make sure we only go. Yeah. So yeah. Far, you know, yeah. it could have been really easy to solve. Like people weren't there to like, uh, disobey police. No, they got mad when the police started attacking them. That's what really happened. Yeah. Like, I wish people realized just that, like, People just got upset when cops attacked them. That's exactly right. Would have been, everyone was just standing around. They would have been happy to just. There were women and children in the crowd of getting course, gassed. And old people, and we would, have, we would have been maybe even set up tents in the lawn and just wait until the people do the right thing. Like nobody was thinking we were going to go inside except for Ray Epps. Mm -mm. Yeah, that's exactly right. Ray Epps, that's a, a separate topic in and of itself. Um, so that movie. Um, 
It's uh, uh, titled J6, A True Timeline. Everybody it must see it if you haven't seen it. It will change. There's stuff in that movie that you had no idea about until you, until you see it. Everybody said that, that uh, they was watching the movie like, oh, I just, I didn't know. I didn't know about this. I didn't know about that. And it's in that documentary. It's pretty shocking. It's stunning. And it's going to help everybody. I don't care what your political persuasion is. We don't want what has been done to our fellow Americans, regardless of their political persuasion. We don't want that to happen here in the U.S. And I appreciate your involvement in that. I'm, I appreciate you coming on. Uh, here's my final, final question. Everything you do is God-centered. You, you are a Christian, first and foremost. We are God's warriors, uh, first and foremost. I, I, I don't want any harm to come to anybody uh, who is on our side, uh, but I want to smash evil uh, with the truth. How about you? Yeah, I mean, I, uh, I think that really there needs to be justice. There needs to be uh, at least charges brought and trials for these, uh, you know, police like Lila Morris, who beat uh, Roseanne Boylan to death, like uh, obviously Michael Byrd, who shot Ashley Babbitt. Like that was obviously not objectively reasonable force. Uh, Bryant Williams, who shoved Dar Derek Vargo off a wall. You know, um, the white shirt guy, Bagshaw, who beat Victoria White. Like, there's a lot of these police officers, um, and, and even the ones who are just perjuring in these trials or in Congress. Like, we, we need to have justice for all of that and the setup. Like, we need to get the communications and documents of the setup beforehand between whoever uh, in the Capitol. Uh, board, uh, whatever that's called, with the AOC and the Sergeant Arms of the House, Sergeant Arms of the Senate, Nancy Pelosi, uh, the, you know. Uh, by the way, AOC Senate stands House. for architect of the Capitol, not, not, right, uh, yeah. not uh, but you know, AOC too, like she might have been in on it. She was in the other Capitol building saying that she was getting raped. <laughs> uh, very strange. Uh, strange indeed. But yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the, the, like what's the chain of command? Who are all the deep state people that were behind that knew in advance and that they were hiding intel or they were planning for this or planning for that? Like, why were there only five police there at the front? Why were police not directing traffic? Crazy. Where the stage is and all that stuff. Like, I think that needs to be investigated. And if people there set us up so that they could have the optics to um, use to get rid of the First Amendment as we know it, those people should be prosecuted to the full extent of the law. Yeah. And as far as I'm concerned, at least a few of the people in the high up, they, their uh, charges might be worse than the, the seditious charges against the Proud Boys and the Oath Keepers. They might be some kind of a treason charge and just let whatever happens in the courts happen in the courts. But we need a court system that's not rigged. We need an executive branch that's not rigged, you know, and uh, honestly, I'm not very impressed with Congress. Um, they've all very much disappointed me. I think it's a lot of political theater because I think they're I think they're all getting in through rigged primaries and rigged generals in the uh, federal and local level and state. I like everybody, everything, all these elections are rigged, so I don't think they actually care about their constituencies. Mm -hmm. I, I agree. I'm very cynical about, um, you know, like especially in this weaponization of government thing. I mean, I, I you know, you're having uh, 
the, the, the most dangerous, uh, powerful weapon, the most dangerous, powerful weapon is in charge of investigating uh, the weaponization of government. And, and you have to factor in that Congress is part of that mechanism. They're the biggest weapon uh, around because, yeah. you know, they'll ask questions out in the open, uh, but they know what questions not to ask and what not to expose in the public realm. And they do that time and time again. They slam the gavel down after they're done. That's it. Nothing else to, to see here. Um, so I'm very cynical about them. But Sir? we'll see what happens with Loudermilk or, you know, some of these people that are doing some of the investigation. Uh, what's the guy uh, who is looking into the buses, the ghost buses? Yeah, that's uh, 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 Clay Higgins, Congressman Clay Higgins. That's right. Yeah, yeah, that's right. We'll see if, if anything comes of that. I hope so. Or Massey. Yeah. Uh, you know, some of these people appear to be at mm. least trying to look into some of this stuff. Mm -hmm. But, uh, you know, at the same time, it's like, they may even end up uh, suggesting prosecution for some of the Metro police. Uh, but who knows whether, you know, Merrick Garland even does anything with that. But at the same time, they're, they're not really going to go after the Capitol Police because that's the people that are protecting them. That's their friends, basically. Right. Uh, isn't it interesting um, that uh, so many Capitol Police officers committed suicide? Isn't that a strange anomaly? Yeah, there's five pol uh, police officers from that day who, I'm going to put this in scare quotes, committed suicide. Um, very suspicious uh, circumstances around those. And you can look at our website for that too, stophate.com. We've got an article on there mm -hmm. about the deaths. There's actually two about the deaths. One's from the deaths, uh, you know, the four on that day, and then the fifth, the next day, uh, Brian Sicknick. Mm -hmm. But then another one talks about the deaths since then. It's like a death count article. And it includes all the circumstances around the police suicides like yeah. the one guy who uh brought his his sack lunch that his wife made him with him to work uh and then he shot himself in the head while driving next to a, an embankment so of course of you know, course the normal way people commit suicide yeah two shotgun blasts to the back of the head yes exactly, exactly. yes yeah. oh unbelievable um we have to get President Trump in. President Trump needs to pardon everybody, period. This is a political persecution. And then those that, and here's the, the law that they violated. Deprivation of rights is a very serious crime, especially yeah. if it results in death because the penalty for depriving somebody of their life, liberty, property, their constitutional rights, if it results in death or serious injury, the, the, the penalty is even higher up to the death penalty, depending on what the seriousness of the violation was. And people need to be held to account. I mean, justice needs to be served to those individuals, I believe, don't you? Yeah, I do believe that. Yeah. Uh, yeah Daniel. But for the record, I don't think we need to do a vigilante. Obviously, everyone knows that. But I'm just saying that for the prosecutors to not use that mm -hmm. against me and try to come up with some bogus charges. No, no, no. No, as a matter of fact, I, I want to make it quadruple clear that the proper authorities would have to bring those charges. We're a people of due yeah. process of law, right? Exactly. Uh, and yeah. we don't have any accountability. So I believe that justice needs to be served upon those people, but not outside of the law or under proper authority. Make that really clear. And I've always yeah. been that way. Um, and most of us are not getting that due process on our end. You know, certainly like not trial or whatever i mean when i was in prison i was considered a terrorist on some sort of secretive list they have and that affected 
how long it would take for me to get my mail because you got the same people who scrutinize gang members' mails scrutinizing my mail as if I'm some sort of a terrorist. Terrorist. Obviously not because I walked through an open door. Like I didn't hit anybody. You know, I didn't go there with a a weapon or Mm -hmm. it's ridiculous. I didn't have any, any terroristic intentions. If anything, the real terrorists are the ones who are terrorizing the American people, making us think that if we want to be a a dissident, if we want to disagree with anything that the uh, Brandon administration says that we're going to be arrested, terrorized, raided. We're going to maybe just be shot and killed by the FBI with no consequence. Like, I mean, they literally have, you know, apart from the Capitol and Metro police who killed people on January 6th, since then, multiple people have been just shot and killed by FBI raids. And not to mention the one uh, J Sixer who was house was raided, and his wife was pregnant and she had a miscarriage the next day because is of that, that trauma from that. Is raid. that true? Um, that's it. That's in the, in the death count article. You need to people need to look at all these. Uh, the, it's it's, it's more agree. than you can just talk about on one show. You know. Uh, give out the website again, Daniel. I appreciate your Stop courage. Stophate.com. Stophate.com. That's very generous of you too. I mean, you guys are doing great work. You really are. That's why I told. Dave, I want to get Daniel on. Um, you guys are doing fantastic work, and I appreciate you uh, sticking to it. Uh, I appreciate you doing whatever you can to bring the truth forward. Justice will be served appropriately towards those that have done harm to our fellow Americans uh, and our country. Sir, I thank you very much for your time. God bless. God bless you, too. Setting, uh, what they're doing to our country wow. all the way around wow, uh, from wow. January 6th to the destruction of America with the immigration issues. We got a lot of updates coming up regarding immigration. Uh, you know, they're trying to sneak a couple under the radar. There's a revolt going on right now. They're negotiating this immigration deal. Wait till you hear the contents of the bill that Mitch McConnell is trying to put forth. And you're going to be really upset with that. And we also have an update on Muckraker. We'll be right back right after this short. I'm Alex Jones, and you're listening and watching The Pete Santilli Show. Hello, I'm Mike Lindell, and I'm excited to announce my new product, My Coffee. I get products all the time from entrepreneurs for my new platform, MyStore.com. And when I tried My Coffee for the first time, I was blown away. It is the best coffee I've ever had in my life. I spent the last four months doing my due diligence, and this family-owned business micromanages every step from the fields to the cup to ensure the best quality coffee you're ever going to have. It starts with the beans that are grown in Honduras. Honduras's volcanic soil and humid climate make the perfect growing conditions for coffee plants, which produce the best beans ever. 
Then each batch is tested for its aroma, taste, and other aspects to meet the highest standards in the coffee industry. And after that, it goes into production, which is all done right here in the USA. It's like you're getting that small batch specialty coffee, but delivered right to your front door. So go to mystore.com or call the number on your screen. Use the promo code and you'll get your very own My Coffee for 25% off. You guys all know that I've traveled the country for the past year and a half. I've stayed in hundreds of hotels. I've tried every coffee out there. Well, some of the coffees have that terrible aftertaste, some that leave me jittery, or I get an upset stomach. Well, my coffee is different. It's the richest, smoothest, best coffee I've ever had. My coffee comes in a variety of flavors. You get them ground or whole bean, plus it's certified organic and non-GMO. I guarantee it'll be the best coffee you've ever had. So go to mystore.com or call the number on your screen. Use your promo code and you'll get my coffee for 25% off. And I'm going to give you deep discounts on all my store products. That's mystore.com. It's my new platform for USA entrepreneurs. Please order now. G'day, I'm Dr. Mark Miller for Bella Grace. And I'd like to have a chat with you about Bella Trim our comprehensive weight management product. Now, most people early on will register a reduction in cravings associated with Bellatrim. How does it do that? Well, it does it by changing the levels of hormones that are associated with either hunger or satiety. It lowers the levels of ghrelin, a hunger hormone, and it raises the levels of GLP-1, the satiety hormone. As a result of that rebalancing act, you have fewer cravings. Net result, fewer trips to the snack cabinet where you may eat something that you shouldn't. It's comprehensive, it does a lot more than that, though. There is an absolutely fascinating action on a metabolic switch called AMP kinase, AMPK. AMPK is associated with the preferential burning of fat as a metabolic fuel. And as a result, you have a reduction in visceral fat and, and reduction in waist circumference. Does more than that. It also helps regulate blood glucose. Blood glucose is a huge factor in weight management. And it does that by optimizing the actions of insulin. It also affects blood lipids. It lowers LDL, lowers triglycerides, all of those bad cholesterols that you hear about, at the same time as raising the levels of HDL, the good cholesterol. In addition for cardiovascular health, it also helps normalize blood pressure. There's more to it than that, though. It also improves your microbiome. We do that by several ways. One, there's an ingredient in there that stimulates a greater diversity. And the other one is prebiotics, FOSS and GOSS, that help feed the good bacteria, gentrify your microbiome. So, Bella Trim, comprehensive. Enjoy it. Cheers. I'm Mike Lindell, and I'm here to tell you about my new product from my pillow towels that actually work. Watch this absorbency test. Here's another towel that we randomly went out and bought. Here's one of my towels with a nice design. I don't know if you can see this, but you could line a swimming pool with this. I mean, this is crazy. Get rid of it. Towels that actually work. 
What a concept. I'm interrupting this commercial to let you know you can get our six-piece My Towels, regular $69.98, now only $29.98. Or you can save 25% on our brand new kitchen towels made with the same technology as our famous My Towels. Also, we have bath sheets, bath towels, washcloths, hand towels, and so much more. And the best part, with your promo code, your entire order ships absolutely free. So go to MyPillow.com or call the number on your screen. Use that promo code to get deep discounts on all my towels. And for a limited time, your order ships absolutely free. Texas Governor uh, Abbott continuing to lay uh, razor wire mm-hmm. uh, battle going on. A letter here. We'll cover this in the LFA show uh, this afternoon. Uh, right. Two-hour show. Be sure to tune in. Three o'clock until five. Two-hour show. Mm-hmm. Uh, to What we're going to do, we're going to dig into that uh, pretty extensively because uh, the one thing that I'm going to cover is uh, with respect to the border here. Hold on. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, where are we? Well, here's the one thing oh, we know on for sure, right? Uh, it's yeah. starting to heat up. Here it is. States are joining. There's a big campaign now. States are joining in to support mm. uh, Abbott. And there's a big question of uh, state sovereignty, dual sovereignty. Pete, you know all about this, right? Mm -hmm. This is front and center. Uh, There are governors all over the United States of America who are joining in with Texas Governor Mm -hmm. Governor Abbott right now. Uh, I think think there's like 15, 16 states now that are saying that they will send resources and to to Texas to support I'm, I'm telling look, you. Look at this real quick. Up. Look at this real quick. We also have a convoy coming across. Yep. Okay. Watch yep. this. Um, look at this. Wow. Mm-hmm. People's convoy uh, rolling through uh, Texas. Mm-hmm. A lot of trucks heading uh, out across the border. Um. Now, that's happening, and we have a report uh, right now that I want uh, I want everybody to check out. Um, hold on a second. Let me do this. Where is it? Screen capture. Stand by. Hold on. 
Uh, we're gonna we're gonna play this all the way through. Uh, this is Anthony Rubin, who I I've yeah. been reaching out to. Uh, he is a stud. Okay. <laughs> I, He's awful brave. I'll give you that. Oh, uh, brave. Yeah. He's been kidnapped by the cartel. Yeah. Survived that. Yep. He had uh, uh, all of his equipment was stolen. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um. And he was so bound to determine, went out, bought more equipment, and he published uh, on muckraker.com. He published a documentary mm -hmm. uh, that I want to play for everybody uh, right now. You guys check this out. This is a bombshell documentary that, um, oh, well... Uh, let me let me show you. And this here's what we ask everyone to do at the end of this: please go donate. Um, to oh, oh website. yeah, he had he literally um, he he was kidnapped, had all of his equipment stolen by the cartels. Right. Went out, bought more equipment, went back down there. So uh, tell me this: he went to what? He he embedded himself. He start. I think it's Ecuador. Is that where he started? He started the journey with yeah. a group of people. To the United States on well, foot. One of the most courageous journalists and documented I have ever thing. heard from. He's crossed the Darien Gap. He discovered secret Chinese hotels. Uh, he got smuggled into Mexico. Um, oh, uh, uh, he got smuggled into Mexico by the Sinaloa cartel, embedded with massive caravan. Mm -hmm. uh, he was riding the Mexican train of death and finally got kidnapped by the Gulf cartel. Here mm -hmm. is this documentary. Uh, by an amazing, amazing American journalist, Anthony Rubin. In 2023, nearly a quarter million illegal aliens entered the United States every month. Nearly all of these illegals followed the same mass migration trail that starts in Quito, Ecuador, and ends at the U.S. southern border. So, we decided to follow the trail ourselves. Along the way, we discovered secret Chinese staging hotels, crossed through the world's deadliest jungle, embedded with an illegal alien caravan, rode the Mexican train of death, and finally were kidnapped by the Gulf Cartel, just hundreds of feet from the United States border. This video will expose the entire illegal alien pipeline for what it is, a United Nations weaponized migration agenda masquerading as an organic humanitarian crisis. This agenda directly benefits cartels and human smugglers, exposes the United States to incredible geopolitical threats, and could potentially usher in permanent one-party rule. The first stop. Uh, you know what I want to do? Uh, this wow. one, this is uh, this is Bob Shaw. I've been waiting for this. Yeah. Uh, I was actually talking to Michael Leon, who is basically his force multiplication system includes uh, 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 Anthony Rubin is part of his team. Yes. Of Michael Yon's team. Yeah. Okay. Now, uh, Michael Yon has been telling me, get with Anthony Rubin, get with Anthony Rubin. Uh, right about the time, actually, when Shaw moved out and then moved in here. Uh, how long ago was that? About a month, month and a half ago? Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Anthony Rubin was kidnapped by the cartel. They didn't know where he was at. All of a sudden, he pops up. He had all of his equipment stolen. And Mike Leon said, you got to get with this guy. Not only did he have all of his equipment stolen, he went out, he bought more and went back down, okay, uh, to finish his documentary. Uh, that documentary 
Uh, I'm actually going to put this up. Uh, you guys need to support these guys. The, uh, these guys are some of the most, the most courageous American journalists on planet Earth. Ann Vanderseel, our friend, our mm-hmm. beloved Ann Vanderseel, came out of the jungle and came to our wedding right after she <laughs> got out of the jungle. But uh, yeah. here's uh, Anthony Rubin's uh, documentary. This is absolutely uh, incredible. Here it is. You guys share this far and wide. This and is please a donate bomb to their cause. Shell documentary right yes. here. Yep. In 2023, nearly a quarter million illegal aliens entered the United States every month. Nearly all of these illegals followed the same mass migration trail that starts in Quito, Ecuador, and ends at the U.S. southern border. So, we decided to follow the trail ourselves. Along the way, we discovered secret Chinese staging hotels, crossed through the world's deadliest jungle, embedded with an illegal alien caravan, rode the Mexican train of death, and finally, were kidnapped by the Gulf Cartel, just hundreds of feet from the United States border. This video will expose the entire illegal alien pipeline for what it is, a United Nations weaponized migration agenda masquerading as an organic humanitarian crisis. This agenda directly benefits cartels and human smugglers, exposes the United States to incredible geopolitical threats, and could potentially usher in permanent one-party rule. The first stop along the route is Ecuador. U.S.-bound illegal aliens from all over the world first fly into the capital city of Quito due to the country's easy entry requirements. From here, aliens begin making their way towards Colombia. In the Ecuadorian border town of Tolkien, dozens of government and non-government organizations offer aid and instructions on how to navigate the mass migration trail. This map, provided by the United Nations, shows all of the migration-related organizations in Tolkien. Aliens receive aid in the form of legal assistance, food packages, healthcare, maps, and more. Some of this aid is incredibly bizarre. The United Nations International Organization of Migration, IOM for short, hands out pamphlets detailing how to put on a condom. It is clear that the intent of these organizations is to direct the masses of illegal aliens to the United States. Consider this map, which shows the route from Colombia to the United States and marks 12 U.S. border crossing points with flags. Many similar maps are distributed by other organizations. This map, distributed by the Red Cross, shows the route from Panama to the United States in painstaking detail. On the back of the map, illegal aliens are encouraged to ride on top of freight trains to reach the United States border. It's worth noting that these maps direct aliens into incredibly dangerous territory, such as the Darien Gap or cartel-controlled areas of Mexico. If this mass migration program were truly for humanitarian purposes, venturing into such territories would be discouraged. Not only are aliens risking their lives by following these instructions, but the United Nations is indirectly helping organized crime earn untold amounts of money by sending millions of people their way to be smuggled. These same criminal organizations notoriously rape women, rob innocent people, 
and execute their enemies. After crossing into Colombia from Ecuador, the next stop along the route is the city of Pasto. It was here that we discovered a secret staging point for Chinese illegal aliens headed to the United States. So right now we are in Colombia at the Cabanas Rio Mayo Hotel. And this hotel that we stumbled upon by accident is a major hub, a major transit point meeting place for Chinese foreign nationals that are on their way to the United States. And last night when we were here, we were eating at this hotel restaurant and we were the only uh, foreigners that were not Chinese. I mean, the, literally the entire hotel is just Chinese foreigners. Uh, we spoke with the hotel staff here and they confirmed that. And while there are some women and children, it's mostly military aged males. There's some right behind me right now, actually. One thing to note is that among all of the foreign nationals that are entering the United States illegally, the Chinese are among the most well-funded and the most sophisticated in the way they go about getting to the United States. Whereas the Venezuelans, for example, are very poor. They just trek up to the United States on foot in mass caravans. Uh, they don't have much money. Uh, the Chinese are very well-funded. They're the ones that are taking planes. We're right across the street from an airport right now. And they also have established networks. And this hotel that we're at is proof of that. It's all Chinese, and for some reason, they all know to come here. It's because they are in direct communication. People that are further up the trail or that have made it to the United States are telling people that are on their way, hey, this is a hotel that's safe for you. Uh, we also found we were staying at this hotel. You know, they're expecting Chinese. And you can see a lot of the writings, a lot of the signs in this hotel are written in Chinese. Again, this is further proof that it's not by accident. It's not just some sort of one-off occasion that there's all these Chinese nationals here at this point. This is a known hub, a known meeting place for Chinese that are in transit on their way to the United States. We spoke with the Chinese national who's staying here right now, who's going to be trekking through the Darien Gap and going up to the United States. His destination is either New York or Los Angeles, and he told us that there are definitively Chinese spies in the United States. Are the Chinese police in the United States? such hotel along the route. Another Chinese hotel was located in the town of Kapergana on the outskirts of the Darien Gap. This hotel was secluded in the woods away from any busy road. We were only able to snap a quick video of this hotel before the Colombian police told us to stop filming. Our last stop in Colombia was the coastal town of Nicocli. This is one of the last stops for illegal aliens before they enter the Darien Gap. All right, guys, so right now I am in Nicopoli, Colombia. This is a critical staging point where illegals from all over the world converge at. They stop in Nicopoli, they buy various types of equipment here, they buy camping gear, boots, knives, everything else. And there are so many illegal aliens converging on this town daily that a large portion of this town's economy has now been centered around selling these illegal aliens gear in order to uh, cross into the jungle and survive. And even right now, there's people walking around with baskets selling gear to these people. Right here. See? Chaos. Lanterna? 
linterna. ¿A cuánto cuesta la linterna? 25. ¿25? Uh -huh. ¿Y cuánta cuesta aquí? 5 mil. ¿5 mil? Uh -huh. okay, bueno, bueno, bueno. ¿Y para, para el teléfono, sí? 5 mil. 5 mil. Ok, bueno. NGOs that are here as well that are just you know giving people basically instructions and uh, whatever other information they might need to make the journey successful. You can see right here. is what it says on his vest. That's Spanish for the IOM, the International Organization of Migration. That's the migration arm of the United Nations. You can see here that he was kind of trying to turn away. He didn't really want to be on camera. Tienes que preguntar primero antes de grabar a las personas, por favor. Sí. Repite. Ask me. Oh, permission. So that's what's going on. He's from the OIM. That's the United Nations out here giving all sorts of aid. And then you have illegal aliens from all over the world that are about to get onto boats and go into the jungle. This is what it looks like. China, you guys from China? Hey, a donde vas? Hey. A donde vas? Estados Unidos. Estados Unidos. Que país? No, a donde? Venezuela. Venezuela. Vas Estados Unidos. See? You from Venezuela? Venezuela. You go America. After Nicopoli, the next stop along the route is the Darien Gap, the lawless stretch of jungle connecting North and South America, where illegal aliens are frequently raped, robbed, or killed. The Darien Gap has three entry points, Akandi, Kapargana, and Coreto. Unlike Akandi and Kapargana, which are in Colombia, Coreto is in Panama. Illegal aliens are required to pay human smugglers for a boat ride in order to access this route. The Akandi and Kapargana routes, often chosen by poor illegal aliens, are notorious for incidents of violence and fatalities. Treks through these routes can last up to five days and are done without much guided assistance. The Coreto route, though still dangerous, offers a shorter journey of only two days with guides leading aliens through the jungle. This reduces the risk of criminal encounters, but the added safety and smuggling fee to get from Colombia into Panama by boat make the Coreto route more expensive. This route is preferred by wealthier special interest aliens, such as the Chinese. Coreto itself is a primitive village composed of simple huts and is a community largely disconnected from the modern world. It serves as a landing point and staging place for illegal aliens before they enter the gap.
20 to 30 people in each group. This is our group right here. Those are the other groups. And we've just been given a ticket. This little ticket here. We're about to enter the jungle. through the Darien Gap. Here we go. streams along the Darien Gap and they're pretty unavoidable and the reason you gotta do this is because if you keep your shit wet and keep walking around in it you can get trench foot and die Hours we've been wading through mud like this, and this just shows you how if you're underprepared in your footwear, like we are, I mean, we're wearing $200 hiking boots right now, but this is not the proper foot attire for this type of terrain, and so our feet are absolutely drenched right now, totally <clears throat> soaked with water and mud and this is how you get trench foot and your feet basically just start falling apart and uh anyway just goes to show people come into this jungle they don't realize what they're getting themselves into and then before you know it you know they're two days in three days and four days in their feet start falling apart they can't make it out and nobody's going to save them and they die in their tent seven hours into the hike so far and it's very clear how people drop dead in this hike right now we're even taking the easier route from Coreto. if you're taking one of the harder routes from akandi or copper gana which is like four or five days to get through the jungle it's so crystal clear how people are just dropping dead left and right there's mud there's people backed up if you get a waterborne illness if you hurt yourself somehow there's actually zero way that you're going to get out of this jungle unless you can somehow pull yourself out which is just not going to happen and then add to that danger people attacking you uh criminals on the route we've already seen very sketchy people walking by with you know machetes we saw a guy with a rifle people coming up to us asking us about our bags extremely dangerous children walking by crying like right here um this is the trail of tears and so again we're only seven hours in people are still fresh imagine if you're 17 hours in or 27 hours in people just start dropping so that's it we're gonna keep going we got a few hours left in the day and then we're gonna call it
the Darien Gap. This is day number two. We're just filtering out some water here. Uh, last night was absolutely disgusting. We stayed in a jungle slum, which was just trash and shit and piss. Uh, the most disgusting place you can imagine. With little five by five clearings where people posted up tents uh, so they could just take refuge from the most putrid odors of human excrement and rotting waste. Um, here we are, just trying to get enough water to last the day. Um, we're trying to keep this filter in the DL because people walking by us are desperate. They don't have any water of their own. We got people walking up to us asking if they have any water. Uh, I can't sit here and pump water all day for people, so I'm handing them water pills. But there's people right here walking. Hey, amigo. Hey, que país? What country? What country? India. 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 You go America? You go? Yes, yes. yes. Okay, good luck. So there you go. We're in the Darien Gap, day number two. Um, just trying to stay alive. Why do you like Joe Biden? Joe Biden is a nice guy. You see he opened the border for all the countries. Yeah. That's, oh, so they like, you like him because of, he opened yeah, the border? because you see there is a poor country around the Malta, so they're just coming to visit and yeah. for their job. Okay. <clears throat> We're inside the Darien Gap. It's day two. We're about six or seven hours in on the day. Right now it's pouring rain. Uh, we've been filming. And the guides here, the Embra Indian guides, do not like that I have my camera. We're getting some really unfriendly looks from them. We just started getting them now. Uh, they've been a little bit suspicious of us all day, but now they saw me take out my camera and I don't think they like it very much. So um, we're just gonna have to hope for the best. They were telling me that, hey, you. That's one of the guides right there. Actually, we just gotta be careful because these guides do carry weapons on them. They do carry pistols in their bags. And if they wanna do something, I mean, if they wanna rob me or take my camera or do something worse, they could do it with no consequences. So this is where we're at, the Darien Gap jungle. The lawless stretch of land connecting North and South America. <clears throat> and it's probably about three hours until we reach the next camp. After illegal aliens exit the Darien Gap and enter Panama, they are transported out of the jungle by Paragua boats and buses and moved into Panamanian refugee camps. Amigos, what country? No, 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 no. What country? No, no. Why? What country? No, no, no. You from Syria? No. Syria. What country you guys from? 
Hey, well, why is it a big secret? What's the problem? No. Why not? No. Whoa, what's the problem? No. You guys from Syria? You guys okay? It is here that illegal aliens are processed and given the aid and instructions necessary to continue their journey to the United States. So-called migration route maps can be found everywhere. The same UN-affiliated organizations seen earlier along the route also have a presence inside these Panamanian camps. A few on the scene include OIM, Red Cross, UNICEF, HIAS, European Union, Doctors Without Borders, UNHCR, and the Norwegian Refugee Council. From these camps, illegals are put onto buses and shuttled northward to Costa Rica. From here, illegals ride buses across Nicaragua, Honduras, and Guatemala until they reach the border of Mexico. We travel to the Guatemalan border town of Tecunumán, where human smugglers, most likely affiliated with the Sinaloa cartel, charged us $125 each to be smuggled into Mexico. Crossing into Mexico, we embedded with a massive illegal alien caravan and headed towards Mexico City. The caravan was highly organized. Leaders in the front carried a large banner and a crucifix that read, Contención es mi muerte, containment is my death, a propaganda message implying that not allowing open borders will result in their deaths. The group responsible for organizing this caravan, and many others like it, is Pueblo Sin Fronteras people without borders. The group has released anti-American statements, such as one on November 26, 2018, which said that the United States systematically deprives asylum seekers of their liberty, separates families, and often deports people to their death. Ironically, one of the leaders of Pueblo Sin Fronteras is Irenio Mujica, a United States citizen. The group has also received the support of radical left extremists who have helped fundraise for the organization. So this morning we left Palomares, Mexico, and we're walking towards San Martin with a massive caravan behind us. There's about 2,000 people in this group, and uh, we've been walking for about four hours. We have at least that much more time before we get to the destination. Biden por todos. Sí. No, pero por, ¿por qué los migrantes le gusta Biden? Porque Biden apoya, Porque él a, apoya a los inmigrantes. Es, es un mejor presidente de Trump. Tu opinión de Trump. Trump no sirve. Trump no quiere a los inmigrantes. Okay. Trump es un inmigrante. 
En tu opinión, presidente Biden uh, ayuda a migrantes mucho o no? Sí, claro, sí, 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 los, los migrantes de Venezuela y otros países, ¿te gusta el presidente Biden o no? Sí, 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 no te gusta Trump. No, no quiero a los migrantes. No. Ah, uh, y, ok, ok. Y la elección uh, en uh, 2024 es posible Biden y Trump. Sí. Van a ser los contrincantes a ellos, pero Biden va para adelante otra vez. Tiene que ganarla porque ha ayudado mucho y Dios tiene que bendecirlo. Ajá. So, so, so todos los migrantes, uh, ¿cómo se dice? ¿Cómo, se le, ¿Cómo todos los migrantes apoyen al presidente Biden en la elección? Sí. After Mexico City, we travel to Irapuato. It is here that the NGO Amigos del Tren distributes train route maps and aids illegal aliens in riding the train of death, also known as the Beast Train. At around 1 a.m., conductors intentionally stop the train about one mile from the NGO, and cartel members assist in the boarding process. Okay, so we're sitting right now at the side of the train tracks. A couple more hours, we'll be on the train. And I am coming down with something nasty. I've been feeling pretty sick for the last 24, 48 hours-ish, and now it's just starting to hit me like a ton of bricks, but we're gonna push through. Uh, all around us, we have uh, illegal aliens who are gonna get on the train with us. Hey, que país, amigo? Guatemala. 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 Si? Sí. Guatemala. Guatemala. Colombia. 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 See, there's more people showing up here. <coughs> Anyway, that's the situation out here, so another hour or two, we're on the train, and we're going north. Oh, shit. Oh, fuck. 
Sí, para que no sepa que te pusiste hasta así, no tenía ni siquiera te acuerdas. outskirts of the city of Lyon and what's happened is our train has broken down we're all standing outside of the train now something apparently happened to the conductor and we have no idea if we're going to be stuck here for an hour or 10 hours or a day or multiple days so we're going to start walking and this territory is controlled by criminal elements and we're not too sure what's going to happen we start walking here but we're making the executive call to just go for it after we made it to the city of Lyon We took a bus to the border town of Matamoros and then took a taxi to Playa Baghdad. It was here that we began the final part of our journey, crossing into the United States. Okay, so right now we are at Playa Baghdad. This is south of Boca del Rio Bravo, which is going to be the place from which we attempt to cross into the United States. Uh, you can see the weather today is absolutely nasty. It's been storming and raining out, so we just got to hope that we don't run into some sort of rip current or lose our bags in the process here. We're going to be walking a few miles, maybe more, down this beach in order to get there 
and hopefully we don't get picked up by human smugglers along the way. As you know, Anthony uh, and Josh's brother from muckraker.com got kidnapped yesterday. They were stopped by members of the Mexican drug cartel because in this area of the U.S.-Mexico border, it's the cartel who rules, not America. Earlier this week, the, you were kidnapped, I understand, at gunpoint by the Gulf cartel. Uh, you and I believe your brother, correct, were allegedly bounded, blindfolded, and forced to sit on your knees. This all happened by the Rio Grande. At one point, you were kidnapped. Correct. You were taken hostage. You were blindfolded. Yep. Tell us about that event. That must have scared the shit out of you. A few weeks ago, you got kidnapped on your way back up to Texas. That's correct. So, you know, after riding the so-called beast train and abetting with a massive caravan of these people, uh, we were going to cross into the United States. The area that we decided to cross, though, um, is right across the river from Boca Chica, Texas. And that's where Elon Musk's SpaceX is. And there were numerous reasons why we chose uh, chose that location. I mean, we could have crossed in, in countless other areas for sure, but we chose that location, number one, because I, that would be incredible if we could show that right across from this critical spaceport, you could just cross right into the United States. And then we also figured, okay, we're walking up a public Mexican beach. You know, Elon Musk's SpaceX is right there. Surely if there's any point that we were just going to walk across, this seems like it would be a relatively safe spot. Uh, completely incorrect, actually. So we start walking up this beach. It's called Playa Baghdad. That's basically the last road that you can stop at before you have to just walk up coastline all the way up to the Rio Grande, where that spits out to the Gulf of Mexico. We are walking up this beach, we being my brother Joshua Rubin and I, as we're walking up this beach, a truck stops us. And they basically say, hey, listen, get in the truck right now, okay? We're going to take you back to where you came from. We're going to forget this ever happened, and you're going to go on your merry way. In hindsight, that was my warning. I should have gotten in the truck and done it, but for numerous reasons, I was not going to do that, of course. And number one, it's just safety. I'm not just going to get in your truck. Number two is I have to complete the mission. Basically, I said, no, I'm not getting in your truck. I don't know who you are, and, you know, I have to get I have to get to the, the river. I just told him I was a photographer trying to take photos, right? They call up some supposed buddy of theirs who's down there by the river, and they say, hey, listen, I call my buddy. You now have to get in the truck with us. There's no choice, um, because if you walk down there by yourself, it's going to be trouble for you. At this point, I really got no choice. We get in the car. We start driving north. Again, now we're headed towards the United States. Now, at this point, we're literally a couple hundred feet from the U.S. border. This man that they had called on the phone gets in the car, and as soon as this guy got in the car and I could see who he was, I was like, oh, this is not a guy I want to be in. Like, this is getting bad. This yeah. situation is solely not in my control. They whip the car around. They start driving down south. This man who got in the car gets on the phone with the woman. They start rambling in Spanish. I don't really know what they're saying. Puts me on the phone with her, and the lady says, listen, I don't know, like, what you're doing, but um, you're supposed to pay $500 to cross in this area. I didn't say I was trying to cross. They just inferred that. And she says, it should matter, like, bluntly. She wasn't, like, trying to tell me I was going to be a kid. Just bluntly. She's like, you're in the hands of the cartel. Uh, you didn't pay them, so then, and now you are being taken by them. You're going to be handed off to a group of armed men. As we're driving inland, something interesting happens. I'm actually filming them secretly on my phone. Had they caught me doing that, I, I could have been, been killed. We drive about 10 minutes inland. We unpack our bags and they they see our camera gear and they see the drone and they start flipping out. Oh, yeah. yeah, they start yeah. bugging. They're like, what is going on here? 
Um, then they start searching through all of our all of our data. They search through my phone, and I'm worried this whole time. Like they're gonna find that video that I took of them, and they're gonna. They're, I don't even know what they're gonna do, but I guess I don't. I just don't think he saw it. They put us underneath, take hostage type photos. They accuse us of being intelligence and military guys. They're checking us for wires, yeah. going through every bit of our bag. Another truck now has pulled up with four more armed men. So they took my brother. They got him pinned up against the truck, and um, you know I'm thinking this this if these people think that we're somehow intelligence guys or you know military, I mean we could have a bullet put on our head straight up. And at one point, one of these men points to my drone and holds a pistol to his head. I'm taking this as a death threat. They end up tying up our hands. They throw a blindfold on me. They didn't have one for my brother, so they just pull the hood over his head of the jacket that he was wearing. Throw us in the back of the truck and basically say, you know, like, you're now we're, you're part of an investigation. We're going to see El Jefe. I'm like, you know, how much money do you guys want? You know, what do you want? We'll go to ATM right now and pull it out. And they, they won't have it. They're like, no, They're like, we're going to see the boss, El Jefe. I don't know where we're going. I'm blindfolded. My brother's got his head down with the hood over his head. As we're driving throughout Mexico, they're deeper into Mexico. They're making stops. People walking up to the truck, whispering about us, saying, you know, intelligentsia or, or, or military. You know, they're, they're, they're smoking pot in the car. They're making more stops, driving down dirt roads. And as we're doing this, I'm actually whispering to my brother. I'm like, man, if you can, start loosening up your hand straps because I don't know if we're just going to have one opportunity to make a go at it before they execute us. I mean, I, you know, I had no idea what was going to happen. And then eventually, after driving all, down all these dirt roads, the doors open up and the, the blindfold comes off and uh, they tell us to get out of the car. We're in the middle of an abandoned field. I mean, literally, I thought they, they might kill us right here, but that's not what happened. They, they took all of our electronic gear. They laid it down in front of us. Uh, they, they pull out a crowbar. They smash all of our gear to little bits and pieces. I mean, they were literally bits and pieces on the ground and they smashed the bits and pieces. And, um, they, and then that was it. And then they, they loaded us into a truck and they dropped us off at the port of entry. Basically told us not to come back ever again. The United States is in a state of undeclared war. The United Nations and associated organizations are actively working to dissolve the American Republic through an industrial scale weaponized migration program. Narco-terrorist cartel organizations control the entire U.S. southern border. And every day, thousands of unknown military-aged men from around the world infiltrate America. At this point, there are undoubtedly terrorists, saboteurs, spies, and other nefarious actors embedded in America, with many more on the way. There is also an ever-increasing threat of the establishment of a permanent one-party state. As you have just seen, the majority of these illegals support the Biden regime. The harsh reality of this invasion can no longer be ignored, and its effects will only grow worse over the years to come. Schools, which once served to educate the next generation of Americans, now serve as illegal alien shelters. Every night, thousands of veterans sleep homeless in the streets, while illegal aliens, who have contributed nothing to America, sleep in hotel rooms for free. Major American cities are watering down the votes of law-abiding, tax-paying citizens by granting suffrage to illegal aliens. This new voter base has already shown blatant disrespect for the laws of the United States by entering the country illegally. In some states, illegals will begin policing American citizens, and some members of Congress have openly suggested the idea of having illegals serve in the military in exchange for citizenship. This is replacing
displacement migration. The United Nations wrote a white paper about this phenomenon in 2000, titled Replacement Migration. Is it a solution to declining and aging populations? The paper proposes mass migration as a means to offset aging populations in Europe, the United States, Russia, Japan, and Korea. The white paper offers five possible scenarios for the United States. Shockingly, scenario five suggests it would be necessary to have 593 million immigrants from 1995 to 2050, an average of 10.8 million per year. By 2050, out of a United States total population of 1.1 billion, 775 million, or 73%, would be post-1995 immigrants or their descendants. The American Republic is on the verge of extinction. If you are an American, the onus is on you to stand up, speak out, and fight back against this agenda. Thank you for watching. If you'd like to support our operation, you can make a one-time contribution at muckraker.com donate, or you can pick up some merchandise at shop.muckraker.com. If you don't want to do that, you can support our operation by sharing the information that we publish. And if you don't want to do that, all I ask is that you have the courage to stand up and speak the truth. I quote the great American John Adams when I say, always stand on principle, even if you stand alone. Thank you very much. That right there. Wow. That right there mm. was one of the most stunning documentaries of the present day. Mm -hmm. Stunning. Yeah. Stunning. Um, and we know they do this because Ben Burkwam, we were talking about this a month ago when Bur Ben Burkwam yeah. uh, was, was talking to the migrants illegal and mm -hmm. they were telling him you know all about their journey and this NGO pulls up and tells them stop talking to this guy he's a Trump supporter uh, can you imagine um, that this invasion okay is being supported okay uh, Biden and that entire regime Obama uh, Holder I mean all of them Mm -hmm. are utilizing the cartels as they have for many, many years. Yeah. The cartels controlling it. And ladies and gentlemen, it is time to rise up to this thing. Okay. Mm -hmm. We have 100 million people with 400 million guns. Uh, 50 million of them should be spread out across the border. We got truckers uh, right now. And it's time to defend our nation, our way of life. Uh, and if you don't, you and your family and your descendants will become extinct to this massive invasion of the United States of America, period. I'm going to say this. It's been going on. Listen, I was down on the border in 2014 and it hasn't stopped. It's increased. It's increased. And um, it's share gotten more organized, believe it or not. And we thought it was organized in those days. And John McCain made it illegal yeah. to follow any of these migrant buses if you're doing that it's illegal to do it john mccain made sure of that yeah and and um that's when they they got so much opposition at the border by the american people pete that they that's when they started flying them over 
Yeah. Right. Go to uh, com. support their work. I'm going to be getting Please do. Michael Yon on ASAP. He's going to be coming on. Mm -hmm. We're going to be doing a review of this thing. Uh, we're recording this segment right here, and we are wanting to ask everybody um, uh, to support um, Anthony Rubin and his brother who've been down there. Mm -hmm. um, incredible, incredible reporting. Uh, we're going to take uh, the baton here and and pass it off. Go to muckraker.com. We're going to bring Michael Yan on. I'm trying to get a hold of uh, Anthony Rubin. I had his telephone number at one point in time. Mm -hmm. uh, and then he got kidnapped. And then he's done a couple of great uh, segments. We're going to continue uh, to promote their work. This is the most, one of the most incredible pieces of journalism uh, that we've and seen in a long, long time. a crucial time, time too, Pete, because... Right now, uh, it oh, is yeah. heating up in Texas. I am telling well, you. Well, not, not just that. Deal. It's heating up. There's a secret deal that's being done. Mm -hmm. A number of Senate Republicans extremely concerned with the ongoing border deal negotiations between the White House and GOP, quote unquote, leadership. Hmm. Mitch McConnell, guess what he did? He said, oh, there's a bipartisan effort. He selected only Republicans that are not up for reelection. Meaning, well, that means a lot. And we'll mm -hmm. be covering that this afternoon. Uh, tune in at 3 o'clock. Wow. At 3 o'clock, we'll be covering more of this. We'll be covering that secret deal. We'll be covering uh, the traitors uh, who are in white buildings in Washington, D.C. Uh, and the Republicans and Democrats are all working in concert. The ones that are up for re-election right now, all they're doing, any words that you hear coming out of their mouth, you see, they're aside from the fray uh they're speaking out pretending like they're in opposition to it but i don't think there's going to be anything to stop this secret deal from coming forward wait till you hear the details of the secret deal that they're trying to cut and we'll be covering that uh they want to legally establish that 5,000 illegal aliens entering the country per day is the new norm requiring the crisis hit that number before the president could invoke the 40 title 42 ask authority effectively forcing americans to at minimum accept 1.8 million illegal aliens per year this is written into uh, uh this copy that leaked to the daily caller we'll be covering that spread this far and wide share this with everybody this is an invasion of our country it's a destruction of the united states of america by these communists by these uh, post-Civil War abolitionists, okay? That's who's behind this thing. Barack Obama uh, and, and his ilk out of the, the, the living room of Bill Ayers. They've been sitting out to do this for many decades, and they're doing it. But guess what? If you share this, we can rise up and stop them now. All these bastards need to be arrested. You secure that border, or we the people are going to arrest you. That, I'm just going to flat out say this. You, you do this or you will be placed under arrest. President Trump needs to get back in office. He needs to use his authority to stop this thing. We need to stop it. They're destroying the United States of America. You politicians right now be on notice. Uh, that's it. We the people, after what I just saw, I have heard a lot of this stuff. After what I just saw, you better be on notice right now. Seek shelter immediately. Lock the border down or seek shelter, one or the other. And we, we are not messing around right now. 
Uh, we got the border convoy going on. We've got plenty of Americans right now that if they're notified, if you see this documentary right here, you will rise up to this thing. You bet, and you apathetic buzzards out there better stop your whining online and you better get off your butts. It's time to get off our butts now and save our country or it's gone forever. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to uh, break away here. Share this uh, with, with everyone.